the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, back with you. It's a Tuesday. Uh, power panel minus one today. Uh, Elizabeth is not here. She's under the weather. She'll be back next week. But RG is here, and so is Paul. They're both yes, with sir. us today. We got some great things to talk about, some big stories that are out there, some good local stories that are out there, and then some national stories uh, that are out there to talk about as well. Let's start off with a, a local story first, and I intend to uh, talk about uh, the story that's on the front page today of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. John uh, Moritz is the uh, person with the uh, byline. Backers of an effort effort to place a minimum wage increase on Arkansas's November ballot passed a preliminary threshold in the petition process and will have a month now to gather more than 10,000 additional signatures. In a letter Monday to David Couch, and we know David Couch, he's been on the show, uh, the attorney behind the proposal to raise the state minimum wage to $11 an hour, the Secretary of State's office said he had not collected enough signatures. Couch collected no more than 52,124 valid signatures for his proposal, according to the Secretary of State. The required number of signatures to get an initiated act on the ballot for this year is 67,887. Now, it's common for solicitors of initiated acts and constitutional amendments to fall short of the required number, and then they get an additional 30 days to try to make up uh, those those uh, amounts of uh, signatures that they have to have. I'm just trying to pull up the story here. I actually got the paper in front of me. It's not my birdcage. Uh, we've got um, earlier this month when Couch submitted boxes containing 69,000-plus signatures to the Secretary of State's office, he told reporters that he expected tabulators to invalidate some of the signatures, kicking off the 30-day, what's called a cure uh, period. During the cure period, Couch and his team may attempt to get more signatures or show why some of the invalidated signatures should be counted. In a phone call Monday, Couch said the number verified by the state is about what he expected. They had some calls, and we'll have a chance to go back at them. Uh, sometimes someone forgets a date or something. Since turning in his first batch of signatures, Couch said he's convinced or is he's convinced uh, continued to use paid canvassers with national ballot access to gather more signatures. He believes he already has more than enough additional signatures uh, to turn into the uh, Secretary of State's office. Off, uh, Arkansas's current minimum wage, as we all know, is eight fifty an hour. Under Couch's proposal, it would rise to nine and a quarter in twenty nineteen, ten dollars in twenty twenty, and eleven dollars in twenty twenty one. 
Arkansas's minimum wage is already higher than all its surrounding states. A proposed ballot initiative in neighboring Missouri would raise that state's minimum wage to $12 an hour in 2023 if it's passed by voters. In 2014, Arkansas voters elected to raise the minimum wage to its current level with 65% of the vote. I just got a question. R.D., you're a a owner, and uh, Paul, you probably use people uh, for your rentals that you have, and perhaps they do work for you, and you you maybe, I don't know. It certainly affects all of us. Okay, so so with that out there, R.D., does it irritate you that someone is trying to mandate to you what you have to pay uh, minimally to your workers and these people aren't the ones that have to pay the salaries that this is just people willy-nilly taking a shot in the dark and saying yeah we want to raise we're going to raise it the next three years yeah it's sad what they're doing is make it harder for kids that come out of high school to get to be able to get a job to start their way up the ladder on the, the first step and the second step when i come out of high school i went to uh, besides working for my dad i went to a parts warehouse here in little rock where i made minimum wage stocking shelves in a parts warehouse and as i learned from that uh i became a manager there and and, and move and moved up the ladder but whenever someone starts out from high school they need a place to start and where they start out doesn't need to be where they stay. They need to be move up. You're not intended to be able to raise a family on minimum wage on your first starting job. You find, you get that job. You live in a small apartment. You stay with your parents. You, you uh, go to school, get an education. You learn skills on the job to be able to, to uh, improve your standing on your job, and you move up. But when you got... All this Medicaid expansion to where you got free health care insurance and we can move you up to $11 an hour, then, hey, let's just go ahead and start a family on minimum wage, have kids, get married, and just let the government take care of Let the government take care of you. You don't have to worry about moving up. I like people having incentive to improve their lifestyle and to move up the ladder instead of incentivizing people to stay where they're at and we're going to take care of you anyway. Except that one of the problems is that if you start off at 11 bucks an hour, you know how many people won't actually get jobs? Right, they'll be no, unemployed. I, I, I have tenants right now that are having trouble finding work, and I think it's partly because of the fact that they're, they're kind of low-skilled people, and, and I don't think they're able to compete even at, at the 850 an hour that we have right now in Arkansas because they're they're not – um, they're not as productive as other people in, in the um, workforce, I think. And so I think they're having trouble right now. And, and I, I had some tenants that moved in maybe two or three months ago, and they were telling me that um, – it's a couple. And they were telling me that um, I think he had found maybe five or six days' worth of work at a temporary service throughout that, that, six, that two- or three-month period. And he was looking for a job. So I called somebody that I knew, and, and maybe they're going to give him a shot. And um, But still, I, I think it's – because he's he's probably not quite as productive as, as some people. He's maybe just um, a little bit um, handicapped and just a little just a little bit, not not too much. But I think this current minimum wage is hurting him already. You bump it up to eleven bucks an hour, it may just be he can't find a job at all. That's right. You've got to go to work and you've got to learn your skills of getting along with other people. Maybe leadership skills. Learn whatever profession. You know, you come in early, you leave late. 
I have worked some people that helped me a lot along the way, and I've learned so much from different jobs. I could have worked for them for free, and they could have gave me just a place to stay mm-hmm. and get and fed me. Oh, and, the edu- and the education that be. I've got working under them helped me so much coming up. Mm-hmm. That, so I just want people to get a start and to be able to stand on their own two feet. All people need is an opportunity and when you get your foot in the door, the rest of it is up to you. In many cases, I think that's very much true because, you know, if you can if you can just simply allow people opportunities, like you said, you know, if someone is just – maybe they didn't have parents that taught them, teach them how to work, but if they could come to you or someone else and say, look, give me a place to sleep just over in the corner somewhere and feed me and I'll work for you, that's an awesome opportunity for somebody who doesn't have work skills. But right now, you might go to jail for doing that. See, that's what happened, Dave. There's a lot of people that were mechanics through the years of the World War II generation that I got to know coming up. You know, sure. When I started 30 years ago, they were my age. Mm-hmm. When I started 30 years ago, they were my age. So I had a, those people to mentor the people that lived through the Depression and came through World War II when I was young. I got to be on their coattails a little bit. Mm-hmm. But many of the mechanics that I dealt with during the Depression, their parents said they had eight or ten kids. We can't feed all of you. You're now four. 13 to 15 you need to go out and find a way to make it on your own a lot of these kids went to gas stations in different places and said you know what if you'll give me a place to sleep and and you'll feed me i'll I'll be your security at the gas station and teach me a skill and a lot of the mechanics of that generation had come up to where someone had just given them a job Mm -hmm. a place to stay they learned a skill and they learned a profession. Later on, they owned their own business and they were successful. Right. And that's but the, all well, they needed was just to get their foot in the workforce. Right. And that's an honorable way to, to deal with, with poverty when you've got, you know, I'm able bodied. You know, if, if I got to, to in a position where the jobs were just incredibly scarce and I couldn't make a living, it would be honorable for me to come to you and say, look, I don't care if you can afford to pay me or not. Let me sleep in the corner of your shop and feed me. And I'll work for you, but just don't let me starve. That is honorable. You may not be able to afford to pay me, but you can probably afford to feed me at least because that doesn't cost very much. Yeah, it's a way for people to get into the marketplace Mm -hmm. and to learn something, and the rest of it's up to them. But all these programs and everything are great to help somebody get on their feet. Everybody can get an illness or get an injury and need help for a short period of time. But we are enslaving a a magnitude of people makes me think of poverty incorporated i know i told dave about it but the global system of helping countries that are struggling right now are enslaving those countries for a lifetime because if they get free rice or if they get uh which came from arkansas if they get free shoes well, guess what? There's people in that country that used to grow rice before it was free and have shoes. Don't and they used to make and they used to make shoes. So you're enslaving a generation, and you're you're telling people that you're not worth you're not worth uh, you're, working you're, for yourself. You're working, working for and, yourself. And, and, you're not smart enough yourself. to do it. So we're going to help you. Well, worse than that, you bring all that free rice in and drop it on the market. Suddenly, you know you can beat. In comp- straight on competition, but you can't beat when the free. other person's doing it for free. You cannot stay in business when you when you make where you have to give away your product for free. Yeah. No, you can't compete. It doesn't with that. work. That that's way. what you that's what you see in the government here. And everybody thinks they're helping when in fact you're not. Maybe initially 
to take the shock away of maybe a famine or some kind of earthquake, drought, or whatever. But after that, you need to pull it out. Get out. You need to pull it out. I think it's sort of like in a lot of different cases. You can just simply enable people to 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 become slobs, and it's it's not good for them. It's not good for you, and it's it's bad for everybody involved. Yeah, I'm I'm with RG. I would I would definitely watch that documentary on. I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not. It's not. You have to go to. You have to go to somewhere else to find it. It's okay. not on Netflix right now. It's, it's Poverty Incorporated. You know, it may you be on it. YouTube. You might be able to find yeah. it on YouTube. I don't know. But it's called Pro- Poverty Incorporated. You need, I'm just telling you right now, you need to watch it and understand what happens to many of these poor countries. You make them poor is what you do. You make them poor. Need to need to take a look at it. All right, let's get a break in. Don't forget about Applied Research. We're glad to have them back on the Dave Ellswick Show. They need to get the information out to you about their business and about uh, the different clinical research studies that they're doing right now. They got atopic dermatitis, uh, moderate. Participants have to be 18 years or older, clinically diagnosed with moderate eczema. Also, they have a asthma study, moderate to uh, severe, If you've been diagnosed with moderate to severe persistent asthma that is not adequately controlled by current medicines, you may qualify for a clinical research study. Participants must be aged 12 to 80, diagnosed with moderate to severe asthma, regularly use both a cortisoid rescue inhaler and a long-acting beta inhaler. And then finally, uh, one other study they got, and they got a lot more. I'm going to tell you where to go to see what they are. Testosterone study. This is for men 45 to 80 uh, who have uh, low testosterone are at risk for cardiovascular disease or events. You may be eligible to participate in a clinical trial studying the effects of an investigative testosterone replacement drug. Now to see these studies and exactly what you have to be able to uh, meet to be able to get into the study. Uh, they have a bunch of other ones as well. You know, they got diabetic gastroparesis uh, that they're doing a study on and others. Uh, call this number, 501-954-7822, or go to their website. And if you want to see all the studies, this is the best place to go. It's ARC Arkansas. It's one word, ARC arkansas.com when you get there you'll see all the different studies there's a little drop down box to tell you you know what kind of you know things that you got to meet to be able to get in on the studies uh they'll ask you to fill out some information and if you get accepted you'll be told that uh, you're accepted into those studies again that's arcarkansas.com or 501-954-7822 at Applied Research. It's left here. Do you think we need to go back uh, to the way it used to be, uh, R.D., where a company decided what they were going to pay people, and if you didn't want to work for them, you just didn't work for them. You went someplace that offered you something better. 
I think that's a free market approach, and I believe it's not the government getting involved in business. It's way and it worked for me. And, and I believe that uh, people would come in, and if they were good at what they did and it was something they were passionate about, that it give them an opportunity to be, become successful. And if it wasn't, they could try out something different. Now the way it is, it's so expensive to hire somebody. You can't hire somebody unless they're already trained just about, unless uh, uh, they're going to be productive right off the bat. Yep. All right. We're going to come back. we got more to talk about. There's other stuff, stuff, big stuff that's going on that we want to uh, discuss here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, we've talked some about the Medicaid funding blocked for the uh, Planned Parenthood. has been upheld by uh, the courts here in, uh, I guess, was it Arkansas Court uh, Judge? I guess it was, yeah. Christine Baker, yes. Baker would have been Arkansas, All right, I guess. So. We'll uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. So Judge Death has had has seen a little bit of life in her eyes. She might be a federal me. judge. Okay, Maybe well we'll I talk. Can look more. that up, I guess. <laughs> we got news coming your way right now. All right, back with you here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, good to have you with us. We've been talking here just a moment ago, uh, dealing with the uh, wage ballot issue, uh, and they passed their threshold or or getting close to it. They need about 10,000 more signatures, so you may see that on the ballot in November. And I would just uh, get out in front of this myself and just say, you'll think you're helping people by voting for this. You're going to hurt a lot of people, and you're going to hurt some businesses as well. There's businesses that aren't making big money running the businesses they're running, and what will happen is that they'll end up going out of business. Just just go to Seattle and some other places. Now, granted, they're looking at $15 an hour. But in Seattle, where the cost of living is so much higher and uh, things of that nature, you need to make uh, a lot of money to make your way through their, their system. But... If you're running a business, if you can't make any money, you can't hire people, nor can you keep them on your payroll. This this nope. will lead to more automation. Like you go to different restaurants now where you can place your order on the kiosk. screen, right. yeah, on the kiosk, and you, you can pay for it yourself. So it'll be more automation and, uh, and less jobs and, sadly, probably less people in the workforce. And, you know uh, – I see people in society are usually one or two ways, and sometimes by no meaning of their own, but you either are paying in or getting money out of the system. You're either an asset or a liability. Yeah. No, you can't so, be a liability if you're going to work for somebody unless it's a charity program. Because I mean, you, if someone's only going to have a productivity rate of of $8 an hour, you can't pay them eight fifty. No, if you look at workman's comp, social security, and everything else, so right. usually what you're paying somebody fifty percent more is what it takes. Right, so that, at least fifty percent more eight. to cover to cover everything else to go with so that, it. So. Why don't they? Why don't they do it this way? Instead of raising the minimum wage, why don't they make? Uh, unless you make what's a what's a livable yearly salary, and before you hit that, uh, you don't have to pay any taxes. You don't have to pay any state uh income tax you don't have to play yeah, take any. it out of the state's pocket let, yeah, the, yeah. let let the state and the federal the federal government do without they've got plenty of instead money. of businesses doing without and then going 
out of business. I mean, in Seattle, in San Francisco, in L.A., in New York, in Chicago, you're beginning to see where you don't have anyone in the business that's waiting tables any longer. Well, wow. They're not doing it any longer. They're, they've got this new kind of thing that they do. You come in, you sit at the table, you go get your own drink, you go get your your food when it's ready mm-hmm. you know you may have a kiosk there to put your order in your order in but that's just about it everything else is self-serve hmm. well, and guess what it's not working that means somebody else is getting self-served <laughs> somebody's at home that's getting right served by the taxpayers because they don't have the opportunity to get a job and uh you know all the jobs i don't have anybody that i pay minimum wage but i need the people that come to me having have the experience of work somewhere else already and gained some experience and be able to move up the ladder. But if they don't get to get their foot in somewhere to be able to move up and I, maybe I'd like to hire somebody if I could, if no, you could you do it cheaper, you know, I might hire somebody to say, Hey, start sleeping floors. And you know, right. uh, when you get done to start sleeping floors, we might show you how to do some inventory control. We might teach you how to run some. That's how I reports. started out in broadcasting. Right. Right. I cleaned up after all the shows were done. Empty the Is trash, that right? yeah. Empty the trash cans, sweep around the the floor and stuff. Because you know, back in the day when you had teletypes and all that, you're ripping the paper off of right. it. It's dropping on the floor. It's all over the place. And I cleaned up. And then uh, I was uh, there one night. It was during basketball season. High school basketball is huge in Indiana. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to call around and get scores. And that was the start of it. <laughs> See, if you hadn't had the chance. If I wasn't there, I never would have got bottom, a shot at it. never got the shot at it. But if you're in a business mm-hmm. and you're on the payroll. And they see you th- that you're And diligent. they see that you're deal- you show up at work on time. You stay late. Mm-hmm. You give them a little bit more than what you're getting paid. You give the employer a little bit more than what they're paying you. Mm-hmm. Then you have an opportunity. But if you're sitting at home and you're waiting for the the check to show up, or if you're sitting at home, the opportunity is not going to be there. As the old saying goes, as my father used to say, opportunity only knocks. You're the one who answers the door. That's right. You've got to show a lot up. Of, a lot of times you need to go be out and knock on the doors, too. And so, and, it's, and, and I, I think what you're talking about earlier as far as, you know, if, if minimum wage was lower right now, you might be able to hire some guys to just come in and sweep floors and, and do little knick-knack things around the shop. And then you can kind of use that as a vetting process. To, you know, that guy puts his back into that broom. Yeah, and guess what? Works not, hard. You, the best thing is don't put your back in, into the broom by leaning on it. <laughs> you know, get in there and, and get at it. All right. I, I got my first job at uh, Mid-State Automotive Parts Warehouse down on Young Road, down off right beside where Professor Bowl used to be, right off of Geyer Springs Road. You Even remember I Geyer's? know that. You remember where Geyer Springs Road was and the yeah. Professor Bowl was there? Yeah. Right behind on the next road over Professor Bowl was Mid-State Automotive Parts Warehouse. So my dad bought parts there, so I came to Little Rock and got a job for minimum wage. And I was there working, and I was trying to make an impression. And one of the guys there that had been there for five or six years had a family, and he'd show up for work late and go home, and mm-hmm. he wouldn't put forth the F the ride was in. No. And I just gave him a little advice. You know, I said, you know, if I had a wife and kids at home, I'd work a little bit harder than you did. <laughs> and uh, 
he was i'll never forget he turned and looked at me and said man if you had a wife and kids you'd kill yourself because <laughs> he thought i was already working too that's hard that's the way you're supposed to so <laughs> you, were, uh, you, you got were, a family <laughs> and you were just working like it was normal huh? uh, yeah i was working as hard as i could work because you know i wanted to move up and have a wife and family someday but i wasn't going to be able to do it on what i was making i wasn't going to wait for the state government to pass a law that i get enough money right. to, to be able to raise a family you know working uh odd jobs at a parts warehouse i was taking it my own responsibility right. and, and, to do and, something i think in, in so many cases if you put your back into it and work hard somebody's going to notice and people people like to see people succeed that work hard and and they're diligent i, I think it's just generally true now some people are just jerks but the fact is in a lot of cases if you put your back into it work hard people will help you succeed and if they don't then you move to the next one mm-hmm. and, and that's and, exactly and you right does say so you got to stay with them <laughs> that's you, right you move to you, the next one yeah. and guess what if there's not a job in your town in the profession and what you want to do well you know something else they did in the depression if they were in a depressed area they got in their car and they went somewhere else they didn't sit at home in a depressed area and wait for somebody to show up to take care of them they took the their responsibility of their own families they went to california they went to texas they went all over the country dust bowl that's right those people went to the west coast that's where they went because that was supposedly where the work was at they got there and found some but not as much as they thought because people had already beaten them Mm -hmm. uh, to that place and uh, they were reacting to something that the farmers had caused themselves by over uh growing the fields and things of that nature but they just didn't sit there and starve to no. death because that's what would have happened because back then the federal government expected you to be self-reliant on some level a whole lot more than a whole lot more than right. they are now you know except right. fdr right and that's that's the kind of the thing is though, back during the depression was kind of when they started a lot of this inter- intervention where the government tried to make things better and probably made things an awful lot worse I had an, uh, a great uncle named Bill Hopper, and he starved out in Arkansas, basically. So he started walking west and walked through Oklahoma and went to Phoenix, Arizona. He walked. That's to a long He walk, walked and, and hiked to Phoenix, Arizona. And when he got there, you know, he worked hard. He started his own business, and uh, he, raised, he raised his family. Do you but remember, if, guys, that start? I mean, businesses that you would not have today. Like guys going around and they were sharpening knives. Do you remember the guy used to drive <laughs> oh, yeah, around I in the remember. car and sharpen knives? I knew knives? one of them that did that. Yeah, I knew somebody I still think that. you could make decent money doing that if you, you went can. around and did it. Boy, I need him at my house right now. You can't <laughs> cut butter with anything at my house. But, uh, but, yeah, there used to be people like that. And the thing about it used to with the overhead in the past, a person could own one business and raise a family on one family business. And families had businesses. Like if you own one McDonald's, you could own a McDonald's and raise your family by working hard and owning one business. Today, with consolidation, the cost of government and the cost of overhead and all these new things, next is a higher higher minimum wage. Uh, Insurance has gone up 70%. Now you have to own three or four businesses to be able to raise a family. You can't do it on one business anymore. So that's progress in America. The pendulum, at some point, is going to start swinging the other direction. Well, if it doesn't, it's going to hit us over the head so hard, we're not going to be able to run businesses anymore. 
the government will run the businesses, and then we'll work for the government all the time. I mean, and so, so many of us are already working for the government in, in so many different aspects. I mean, what is the state of Arkansas? Has, is it 60,000 60, 60, employees right now, or is it more than that? Yeah, they got a lot. That's all I know. And, and then we have state and, and county and or sorry, we have county and, and, and city governments as well, and then, and we have and that doesn't even count the federal government. And so we've got piles of people working for the government, and it's. I think I we went into this uh, a few years back. It would have been eight or nine years, and we figured out that there's one government. And when we say government, we're talking federal, state, state local, local. Uh, and not counting teachers. All right, it's not counting mm. teachers. One government worker every 13 Arkansans. Mm. And if you add in teachers, maybe closer to like nine. Yeah. I know that at one time it was worse in California per capita in California. It may still be. It, it may, yeah, no, it may, I, it may I, still be. I think be Arkansas worse. is worse than California per capita. Worse per capita than I, California. I, I, I think we have more government employees in Arkansas than we than you know, it's per hard capita to, than California does. That's something that's hard to change if you want to be conservative and get less federal money and say, hey, we're going to have more freedom and less strings attached, and we're going to be able to run our own schools. We're going to be able to, to have more freedom to run our own businesses and less federal regulation. We've got, well, we've got, we've got so many we've got so many people sucking on the teats. That's right. It's hard to get them off. Auto recycling right now, we're losing 5 to 10% of our family-owned auto recyclers a year right now, 5 to 10% a year. And the sad thing is – Because you're fighting the government most of the time. Yeah. It's just the the higher cost of doing business. It's just the cost of socialism is the way I see it. That's what I'm saying. It's the cost of socialism is going up. So uh, more and more the generations of people that are retiring, their families aren't taking it over more and more because they don't – they they don't have five or six locations because let's let's face it all right the government when they came up with obamacare it's to lead to of course uh, direct pay single payer because the government knows this the one the, the elitists that want to control everything they know this if they get you believing that the program is free once they get you on it, you won't want to give it up. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. a, you asked what happened. I mean, everybody talks about, you know, the, the, the kids, uh, our kids here in Arkansas. You know what happened when our kids came in? And, and, and that was Governor Huckabee who brought that on. When they brought in state-run health care for the kids so that all the kids had, had health care, then the health care that the that the many of the families were buying the majority of the families in fact you you can do the reading on this just go back and and do some looking uh what happened is that the families dropped their own coverage for their kids and put them on the the state coverage yeah no I, yeah i think that's I know, what they did i think i know somebody that did that even years ago when that was when that kind of came online and i, I was because it's a, free for them but not for the people who are paying for it yeah I, I, I was I saw a Facebook post I think it was earlier today or yesterday by a rather prominent so-called conservative that said he was he was complaining about Democrats being extreme socialists. Mm-hmm. So is he complaining that okay we want a little bit of socialism we want moderate socialism this is this is this socialist. is a, a pretty big name Republican here in Arkansas and so so he's complaining about the extreme socialism of the democrat party 
can we just kind of back away from socialism altogether? And, and is there a good form of socialism? It's not happening, brother. I'm just telling you, bring up some of the things we talk about on this show with just people that you know, and you'll be amazed at how fast it turns from I'm a conservative and you hear what they say, and they have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that they really do not believe in Republican ideas. They're they're strong believers in socialism in many cases. It's just, well, I just want a more conservative version of socialism. We need to do, do socialism, but let's do it in a conservative way. And we'll, we won't call it socialism. We'll just call it compassionate conservatism or something All like right. that. Put, we'll, a work, yeah. put a work program on it. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll talk more in just a moment. I need to ask you, did you know there are 567 different ways they claim your Social Security benefits and 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbook. Now, I'm dealing with this stuff now. I've got about seven months before I legitimately put down what age I want to take Social Security. Now i got to see if that's going to be the smartest thing to do or, do or not. I'm not going to go over to the Social Security Administration uh, over in Sherwood uh, and ask them any questions because they're actually forbidden to offer me any personalized advice. I'm going to end up going to say, see David Lucas. I could show you my phone right now and the back and forth that we were having uh, as we were as I was texting to him. Uh, I'm getting a copy of this new up-to-date 2018 guide to Social Security uh, that you can get free from David Lucas at davidlucasfinancial.com. Uh, you hear him every Saturday on 101.1 FM, The Answer, from at 10 o'clock and again at 3 o'clock. And to get a free 2018 guide to Social Security, just be one of the first 10 callers right now. Call him at 501-653-6690. You don't want to leave any money on the table dealing with your uh, retirement. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. Call 501 501- Six five three sixty six ninety or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, back with you. Don't forget uh, about Sonny's, Sonny's Auto Salvage, number one choice for recycled auto parts. want to kind of give you a, a heads up about this. I've been, and RD is going to tell you that he, he, I'm telling you the truth. I've been using uh, Sonny's quite often over the last couple of years. And it's saved me some significant change. I have in my 2009, um, what, it's not a camera, I forget what it is, that I've got the Toyota. That the Corolla? I Corolla, <laughs> that's what it is, a Corolla. I can't remember. I get Camry and Corolla mixed up. So anyway, the, the Corolla, I had to put a new engine in it, and we had to put a new transmission in it. And I went with RD, and I'm going to tell you what, he saved me about a couple thousand dollars, maybe more. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I think maybe more uh, because his people did all the labor as well. And uh, But I have found out that if I had not wanted RD's folks to do the labor, I could have taken it over to someplace else and had them do it, and you would still stand behind your guarantees. Yeah, Dave, we still – one year, two year, and three year extended warranties with all of our parts for just ten percent a year up to three years, uh, as long as it's 
installed properly we can let your shop put it in and we'll even install it if you put it in yourself if your brother-in-law puts it in that's why you didn't tell me that (laughs) as long as well i hadn't met your brother-in-law but anyway but as long as it's installed properly we give people people that are doing it themselves we take extra time to look up their procedures and make sure they do it correctly yep for the people that don't have the electronic equipment to do it, that if they have a problem with the electronics, we refer them to somebody like Joe's Garage right. or Mid-State Transmissions or our buddy Duck down, yeah. down there. Yeah. And, and we refer them to somebody that has the proper equipment to help them out. So, well, we try to be full service. We'll install it. We'll let your professional mechanic install it. Or uh, we'll try to help you to get the information you need to do it yourself. See, the way I looked at it, we just let your folks do it because the part was coming to you. As soon as it arrived, they could start working on it. And it would save me time. And it did. I mean, you guys were really, really good. Well, that that way we can do the – we can guarantee the labor and the part for – for up to three years so uh, there's only one phone number to call and there's not anybody right. pointing fingers at each other it's <laughs> all everything's in one basket and we can take care of it and it's uh rd's basket by the way <laughs> hey that's just right. let everybody know that he takes good care of you if you need a part look i'm, I'm not asking you to look at this if you get a if your car is under warranty you don't need rd at that point the dealership's supposed to take care of all that kind of stuff He's the one that needs to put in the new engine and pay for everything for that. But if you're like me and I've got a car that's 10 years old that has been uh, driven almost 300,000 miles, I'm looking to cut costs by using recycled parts. And I can do that through RD's shop, Sonny's Auto Salvage, and you should try them as well. By the way, if they don't have the part that you're looking for, they're hooked up to thousands of other salvage yards across the nation in canada and uh, they can get it shipped here they can get it put in and you can get the same warranties and guarantees that you get through rd we warranty everything that comes from our other part warehouses and other distributors just like it was our own so we offer exact same warranty on everything and we've been doing business for uh, about 35 years in arkansas so we pretty well know who what distributors to trust and which ones not to trust everybody that he he mentioned you know like joe and duck and and of course gary over at mid-state all of them use rd they get parts from rd so rd knows how good their their service is as well yeah they're the best this is this is this is being green you're recycling parts without having to reprocess what did i always say about going green i said i'd always go green if it saved me green green, and it's saving me green to do this and so i do one of the most sensible ways yeah we do it from a capitalist approach we recycle and we reuse things for the purpose it was intended to be used for and save people money and provide jobs for the community okay here's the number 982-7451-982-7451 Five one. Got more of the show coming up. Major gun manufacturers cutting ties uh, ties with dicks. I'll tell you why when we come back. Coming up next hour, right after the news at the top of the hour, Doctor Everett Piper will join us, who's been on the show several times over the last couple of years, and uh, he's been relatively quiet until they started calling kids zabies. <laughs> not babies but zabies and he's got some things to say about that 
That's going to come up about six minutes after four. You believe me. When Dr. Everett Piper comes on, you don't want to miss it. And it's one of the few times when I have people on uh, by phone for interviews uh, that Paul and R.D. get involved in the discussion, and I can just sit back and listen. And it's fun. So Dr. Everett's coming. That's uh, that's Peter Piper's brother, Dr. <laughs> Everett Piper. <laughs> Will be joining us here can, on the can we ask him how many pecks of pickled peppers? Yeah, can you could ask him. I don't know if you'll get an answer, but you can <laughs> ask him. When he talks about the Constitution and free market, uh, he's the only person that's ever made me want to go back to school. Yeah, I would like to be in some of his classes and take some. Classes I bet under you could him. go uh, online to Oakland, uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan University and audit some of the classes. Hey, that would be cool. That I would bet be you cool. could do that. Be, if you want to do some uh, theology stuff, uh, do it with uh, the Bible guys. You know, the, the, the school that uh, is over there at Agape, you can, uh, I think it's 50 bucks a course or whatever, you can audit them. So don't get the credits, but that's all right. You get the knowledge. I'm not looking to have a degree in theology and, and, and become a preacher somewhere. I'm just looking to have... Uh, you know, getting the information that I need to understand the scriptures better. So you can do that with them. Just a couple of, you know, offerings uh, as it is. Okay, so here here's a story that's been around for a few weeks, but I haven't heard many of the networks talk about this. A number of prominent gun manufacturers have announced that they will no longer do business with Dick's Sporting Goods in response to the retailer's support for stricter gun control legislation. After banning the sale of assault-style weapons and raising the minimum age for purchasing said weapons, or gun in general, to 21 in the wake of uh, this uh, last February's Parkland, Florida shooting, Dick's hired three. Washington, D.C. lobbyists to fight for gun control on Capitol Hill that, according to federal documents obtained by the Federalist, in response, the parent company of Mossberg Guns, O.F. Mossberg and Sons, have announced that they would no longer sell guns uh, to dicks. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not going to do it any longer, uh, they went on to talk about Mossberg's CEO wrote in a press release, make no mistake, Mossberg is a staunch supporter of the U.S. Constitution and our Second Amendment rights, and we fully disagree with Dick Sporting Goods' recent anti-Second Amendment actions. Mossberg went on to encourage customers to, quote, visit one of the thousands of pro-Second Amendment firearms retailers instead of dicks uh that announcement came one day after mks supply which manufactures high point firearms cutting ties with dicks as well and uh, springfield armory has since said there's my maker they are <laughs> now discontinuing uh, discontinuing our relationship with the uh, dicks as of uh, last week 
So maybe Dick's can just be the, the place where you go to buy fancy underwear, huh? Yeah. yeah. And what? <laughs> China. There's a big. Uh, there's a big uh, group. Uh, U.S. Sporting shooting group or whatever. I forget what is it. They have cut now ties. cut ties with Dick's as okay. well. That just happened a couple of weeks ago. So this is gaining momentum mm-hmm. now. And uh, if no one's been following, Dix is starting to have some real problems. They already had problems. This is just going to exacerbate them uh, with staying in business. So if they, maybe they'll go the way of Sears and, and JCPenney? It's possible. It's possible. It, it amazes me that somebody as big as Dix would be so stupid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, it's a sporting goods store. Who are your customers at a sporting goods store? Yeah, I mean people that hunt are they tennis and fish are they? and go canoeing and do uh, sporting sport uh, shooting sports. And uh, well, here's the I, key: I, I, the, it's nuts, RD. If they're going to bend to the will of uh, you know the radicals on the Second Amendment, how long will it say? Will Dick say? You know, we'll only we're not going to sell uh, bait, and we're not going to sell you know uh rods and reels because we believe that fish can feel pain mm-hmm. there's a big movement with that well, it's it's a it's from a consistency standpoint it's it's cruelty to fish at the end of the day do we believe that animals have rights or do we believe that people have rights and and when you start start down that road then consistency leads you to kind of absurd places They make really stupid decisions. How much of our freedom do we want to erode? I mean, do, do we trust the government, say, when it comes to the Second Amendment? Like, the Second Amendment is what it is, the right and keep and bear arms. Do you want to give 20% of that up? Do you want to give 25% of it up? Do you want to give 50% of it up? Well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm just like these uh, these gun makers. I'm not willing to give any of it up in the way that I can – protest this is by using my wallet i'll not walk into a dick sporting goods i won't buy anything you know a kayak or anything because i've been thinking about taking up kayaking mm-hmm. it looks like it might be fun you know hey, down go. south and things it'd be a lot of fun yeah, to I, go do shoot the king river and yeah, yeah sillamore I, i've got a, i've got a friend that does some kayaking out um i think the little river below lake catherine what is that um I can't remember what it's. Cato River. Yeah, that may be what it is. I can't Cato remember. Cato is, is. Is, is in that area. There's Cato. But it's there's a, lots of little red rivers. There's lots of wonderful rivers. But it rivers. comes out the bottom of the dam on Lake Catherine. And so he, a friend of mine goes out there, and I've, I've been out there a couple of times, and he goes out there in kayaks. And yeah, Dick Sporting Goods sells kayaks, but so does Walmart and a lot of other yeah, places. I can move my buy supply. there. Yeah, and if you, you don't have to go to some place that lobbies against the love that. <laughs> yeah, tractor supply sells kayaks. It's pretty good. You know, if you need to go out to the back forty and you got to go by kayak to get there, go right ahead. Shoot, just get you get you one of those big feeding bins and just get your paddle in and just go for it, man. We used yeah, inner tubes when I was a kid. Yeah, I didn't have a kayak, but I could find a big inner tube to blow it up. Yeah, but to be honest, this is the way you, as a consumer, can have an effect on. A business that wants to say, "Hey, look! Well, they're already under; they're being sued mm. uh, in Oregon, and I forget what other state because the age to be able to buy a, a legal firearm is eighteen. And there, I mean, if you're in the mil- if you're in the military, you can still walk into Dixon and buy 
a firearm. Well, yeah, they're saying it's discrimination, mm-hmm. and so they're suing Dix about this. Dix is, looks like if the stories I've been reading about it is going to lose that battle. Interesting. And it's going to cost them a lot of money. Yeah, another, another thing that people can do is they can call into the store and say, you know what, we don't like what you're doing. You should stop. You should you should change your ways. And some of that, sometimes um, customer feedback can, can actually have a positive effect. Well, there's some people that work at Dick's who have publicly – uh, posted their resignation letters mm-hmm. so people can see it and have quit working for them yep. you know a word that they use in poverty incorporated since we got to thinking about it and a word that i maybe i learned from poverty incorporated was paternalism oh yeah paternalism do we need more paternalism do we need somebody to yeah, protect need, us from ourselves no, i don't need dicks telling me you know that i should or should not buy a firearm we, we need we need fathers we don't need state to be our father for us that's exactly right i tell you what i wouldn't want to tell you how young i started out carrying a 410 single shot shotgun but uh but hey i was taught how to use it and i used it responsibly and uh and uh hey i've still got all my toes and, and most my feet fingers. yeah most of my fingers <laughs> and uh but hey it teaches it teaches kids responsibility to do it correctly and and we don't need people like that taking our rights away from us as parents or as children. And one of the, that's one of the problems is when you take people's rights away, then they, they learn less responsibility. Yeah, sometimes you might lose a finger or toe sometimes, but that sometimes is actually kind of good for, for maturity thing, for maturity reasons. You know, you, you, know you, you may or may not want to let your, your child use some, some certain types of power tools when they're younger, but sometimes you might decide, you know, this is a good opportunity for them to learn. Teach them responsibility. And, and, you know, Supervise. They, they, might, they might injure themselves in a, little, a little bit or maybe even lose a finger. But sometimes that level of responsibility might teach them to be more responsible as adults. I love taking kids over to salvage yard and putting them on a forklift and running mm-hmm. them around on a forklift and give them the steering wheel and let them run around well, the My warehouse. grandson still – Max still talks about watching your machine crush a car. He thought that was better than peanut butter and jelly. I'm just telling <laughs> you. He thought that was great stuff. Shoot, I like to prepare the kids. Find something they're interested in. And your grandson tells, talks about stereos. Yeah. He's real interested in stereos mm-hmm. and stuff. So I, so, uh, I love that, to find kids interest uh, uh, and help be, them find what be, they're passionate about. Wouldn't that be cool if a young kid can could go to a salvage yard and pull out stereos when he's – 10 years old or something like that instead of having to wait till he's 18 rd couldn't allow it i know and that's that's one of those that's that sort of thing is is they fine him huge i tell you what that we can do and uh both in in uh, conway toad suck and in little rock the the children's museum has a tinker fest every year so Hmm. if anybody out there doesn't take their children to the tinker fest of the arkansas uh, museum down on clinton road Mm -hmm. then uh, they have hundreds of things for kids to experiment Mm -hmm. and we always send them a car down there and they lay tools out and they let kids take part parts off of the cars Mm -hmm. and man sometimes when they get them back they've got like cylinder heads missing off of them (laughs) and intakes and stuff and i'm like i told the people at the museum i'm gonna start putting job applications in the front seat these kids are amazing i know i used to take stuff apart when i was little and 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 i I learned that's how you learn couldn't put it back together but he could sure turn it it apart and and i've gotten to where i can put stuff back together now that's that's the way you learn they they tell a story of me taking the vacuum cleaner apart with a butter knife when i was a kid you know 
and the thing so that's, is, you know, that's I, the way you learn. And I've done different things, and sometimes I'll bust the fire out of my knuckles, and I'll come home bleeding or something like that, and it's and it's okay. But learning to experiment with things is is good for you. That's right. All right. Big changes still going on over at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics here in Little Rock at their location at 12th Street. They've been there since uh, the middle of the 80s. That uh, house was built in the late 1800s, and uh, they have now removed about half of that house and uh, all of the other part of it and made sure uh, that they're got enough room to make it into a state-of-the-art facility. They're going to have a new gate room. They're going to have a large new waiting room with central air and heat so it won't get hot during the summertime, cold during the wintertime. A new mastectomy area just for mastectomy patients with privacy and comfort while you're fitted. They've got a 3D printer that has been brought in. They're just waiting now for them to perfect the material that it uses so they can literally print your uh, prosthetic print a prosthetic not make a mold print a prosthetic and it's going to fit you absolutely perfectly they pride themselves on giving their patients the best so that they can reach their level of maneuverability and being able to move and use their bodies the way they want to they're going to keep you happy, and that's one of their prime priorities as well. Remember, they got six locations with the new updated facility. They've got Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics providing a lifetime of support. Hey, don't forget about my buddies over at Aero Plumbing. Let me just tell you what the reason I use I. They saved me thousands of dollars by not uh, digging at my yard to take care of my my pressure valve that was on my house, so that I could take a hot shower with some, you know, pressure. instead of the water just dripping out of it. Uh, they showed up, uh, and the company who had been before them wanted to start digging in the middle of my yard. And before I start digging, I get second and th- third, you know opinions on so things. They, they just turned your pressure regulator up yeah no they didn't even have to turn it up it had gone out oh, and the guy it, found huh? it yeah he walked to the front of my house re- i'm not kidding you he walked to the front of my house reached down pulled out the pressure regulator walked back to their truck that warehouse on wheels <laughs> picked out the pressure regulator put it in and problem fixed 20 30 minutes yeah why well, somebody well it's like 15 like somebody else wanted to start bringing in the back hole you know and start digging up my yard well they, they thought you needed to have your pipes replaced after what was what your house 15 years old yeah that's yeah about that about that yeah, now that, i think that's probably in, uh, insane somebody to, to make, to wanted to make some money and that's what it all came down to and the folks at arrow saved me a bunch and look uh, at that point if it had been something underneath my slab there wasn't much they could do but go through my slab but now They've got they bore uh, under it. yeah they got stuff that bores under your slab. They can fix the the and, and under your your flower garden and things like that your landscape. If you own a business underneath your uh, parking, parking lot, lot, so they don't have to dig it up, and they can make the the repair. Uh, the people are well trained. They have training sessions every week. Uh, they can go in if you live up in one of the uh, heritage areas. 
and you got the the iron pipes and those things crack they start leaking they can put in a material that blows up kind of like a, a balloon coats the inside of the cake uh, the the pipe hardens and takes care of it they don't have to dig up the pipe put a new piece of iron pipe oh, some in. of the old cast they, iron drain yeah, pipes wow. are, they, are starting they, they to fix, rust out yeah, after about what is that. It, 40 or 50 years you know the first time i saw that was back in the mid 90s in indianapolis and they were trying to save money instead of having to dig up the city streets to fix all those old pipes that mm-hmm. had been laid down back in the 1800s and stuff mm-hmm. And that's what they they started using, and they saved millions of dollars. Well, he may not save you millions, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> he's going to save you probably thousands of dollars doing it that way. That's why you should use Aero Plumbing. Earl Donnelly has done a great job of putting together a great business. It's Aero Plumbing. You go to aeroplumbing.net, find all the information there about uh, where they're at, how to get a hold of them. Same thing, you just go to Google and type in Arrow Plumbing. It's Arrow Plumbing. Don't forget that name, Best Plumbers Around. I've been using them now. I got to thank you. Yeah, that's, a, that's 14 a, years, I that think. That thing with that cast iron pipes rotting out, that's a real deal. I've had that. I had a house we had to replace, and it, it had already fallen apart. We had, we had to replace pipes. For, I bet it was maybe 60 or 70 feet of pvc pipe that we put back in you should see you should see their their uh their technology i mean literally everybody has the thing where they can go in and look around right you know camera not like arrow plumbing's i'm just telling you it is amazing does it crawl what they can do yeah it moves its way through the pipes and everything Mm -hmm. you can see everything it gives Mm -hmm. you a 360 on it it's really amazing to watch them earl knows that you got to spend money sometimes to stay with the times Mm -hmm. and uh, he does that and he's uh he's a guy who knows what he's doing that's why i use him i think everybody who works for him is a master plumber as well oh wow which is very impressive because it takes a lot to become a master plumber that's expensive too yeah he was working uh walmart came to him uh, on a problem they were having and they couldn't get it fixed and they called him and he fixed it and his son uh, is really good as well he came mm-hmm. up with the way to fix the problem that walmart had saved them thousands of dollars made earl and Errol plumbing thousands of dollars as well right but that's the way it should work so yeah. when you need a plumber Errol plumbing again let me say it again Errol plumbing you've seen their uh, billboards i'm sure around the area just go to aeroplumbing.net and you find all the information you need there. Guys, we got uh, take a break. We got news coming up. When we come back, uh, we'll pick up uh, with some more interesting topics. Don't forget, 406, you don't want to miss Dr. Everett Piper, president of Wesleyan University. And he's going to talk about this, this is absolute craziness called Zabies. You heard me right, zabies. You, you not a, babies. These are zabies. Used to when a baby was born, they would say they hold them up. It's like, oh, it's a boy or it's a girl, and now they don't know. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm <laughs> always interested in. That's the one thing you don't hear the doctor say. I don't know what it is. News is next. Hey, do you guys watch uh, Mountain Men? On, uh, I can't remember. Is it? It's not Animal Planet. It's one of the other 
um, shows on on cable. I usually watch because I, for some reason, I'm enthralled with those guys living out in the middle of nowhere on their own. And one of the guys that's on there, I think his name is Jason King, is doing his thing out in the middle of the Ozark somewhere. All right. His wife uh, was pregnant, and last the last one that I saw, which was last week, so I don't know what this week's looks like, so I'm, I'll have to watch it, but she, her water had just broke. He, oh, he boy. Had, he had built kind of a, this Indian uh, replica that the Indians used to live in and hold kind of holy things. Kind of like It looks kind of like one of those what they call them hot boxes or sweat boxes or sweat lodges or whatever they had Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i gotta i gotta get this guy on i think his name is jason king Hmm. and uh, i'm gonna try to see if i can get reach out and try to get him on the air just to talk about making the show and how irritating it is when they say well we need to do a couple more shots of this or <laughs> catch or that fish five or six more times huh? and, yeah and, or how far how far is he really away from civilization you know right. yeah you, you know the go cult, to walmart the when cultures, the show's over yeah you know you know the the, the cultures that uh, are there in uh, alaska right right and uh, what people don't know is that they actually have a little store along the side of the highway that they sell supplies and everything <laughs> from a lot of the things they do are things that they have done as a family over time and so they recreate some of that mm-hmm. stuff right for you to watch this, this reality tv isn't it's isn't not so reality a lot of times you know, they, they stage it up yeah like storage wars wow look what's in this chest yeah <laughs> yeah although i like the guy they have on there yep yeah, yeah, he's Dave. only yeah. he's like J.R. Ewing. Everybody loves the, everybody loves to hate Dave. <laughs> everybody, yeah, they'll, they'll be bidding like crazy, and he'll stay out of it. And just before you know, going once, going twice, yep, he'll he'll drive it up a little bit more. And sometimes he does it just to, to cost the money. <laughs> yeah, because it's about how much money you amass, whether. They say you won that episode or not. It's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. That's I go to good. a few auctions myself sometimes, but and, and sometimes I'll bid by hand or sometimes I'll bid by voice. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I like about internet bidding. Whenever I was starting out in the auto recycling business, I'd go to the auctions with all the guys that had been around for a long time. They were used to dominating the auction, so mm-hmm. when a new kid shows up, they, everybody runs the new kid up. They wouldn't pick at me. They would try to make sure I wouldn't <laughs> buy anything, so – so whenever it went online, and at least that way, nobody knows who's bidding against mm-hmm. each other. But people people can be tough and, and lose money for a long time to keep somebody else from, from nudging into their territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Dave mm-hmm. is that way. Yeah, that's Dave. <laughs> Dave's that way. And I like that. I like Dave. The one guy that used to be on the show, I don't know if he is anymore. I think he may have passed away, in fact, was an older gentleman that was on there from – 
the Tiny. crazy guy that drove all the fancy cars yes. and everything, the rich guy that had around? all the exotic cars. I haven't seen him on the show lately. I have an idea. Yeah, he was, he was nuts. He had all kinds of, you know, $100,000 cars and mm-hmm. antique motorcycles yeah. and stuff. So he wasn't hurting any of that. No, for sure. not for any money it, at all. It, it is kind of fun to watch some of the people at auctions. There was an older guy that would buy stuff. He'd just buy tons of stuff, and I don't know where he was, what he was doing with it or, or what. I don't know if he had a bunch of flea markets that he sold the stuff at, but he would just buy all kinds of stuff. I don't know what he was doing. At, eBay. Maybe so. But, he, but the guy was probably 70 years old. Maybe he did have a bunch of people working. working Maybe he's retired shop. and he did that because he just enjoyed doing it. Maybe so. I don't know. I, going to auctions is kind of fun, and buying stuff at, at auctions is kind of fun if you got something to use. Or maybe the stuff he for, was being but, paid for two shows: that show and the other <laughs> one about being a pack rat. That one was about being a pack rat. So he had to keep adding stuff to his house. So you know, you're, you're making me think. You know, we talked earlier about the minimum wage and people getting a start. Now you're talking about auctions. You know, when I first became a salesman at Lynn's Auto Salvage in Conway, my office happened to be right beside Danny Lynn's office, the owner, and he would be bidding on cars all the time online. And I'd listen to him look up what the car was worth before the accident and after mm-hmm. the accident, and he'd figure a percentage, and he'd always pay a percentage of what it was worth before the accident. So I got to sit in that office and listen you to learned, him do the bidding. You? I was listening while I was there. He mm-hmm. may have thought I wasn't listening, but. You know, that's one of those things that I got to learn just by being at the right place at the right time. Yeah, he's, you know, he's just one of those baby boomer kids. He's not paying any attention. He's smoking pot or something. <laughs> yeah. But I could have worked for those people for free and, and still, and still, uh, and you, still you've been, been ahead. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. exactly right. I could have yeah, worked for a, free. There's a lot of people out there that are like that. that, that Do you watch any of those reality shows? I don't really. I don't have cable at my house, and I, I, I bet I don't watch more than maybe two, three hours of TV a month. Okay, well, I maybe, watch. Maybe I, a little more. I that, like, but. like I said, the the one about uh, uh, the mountain men. I get a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm sure it, a lot of it's put on. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't pay any attention to Afraid, the one where they supposedly are out in the middle of nowhere the whole time, and you know they have tragic acts not tragic, but they have accidents, and they got to be airlifted out and, <laughs> and stuff like that. I am. You know, I tried to naked read it. and afraid, or whatever that crazy stuff is. I don't watch that. That's nuts. I, I, I kind of feel like they're losing money. If you really wanted that to make money, you'd put it on Showtime. Then you don't have to. You don't have to use anything to blur nothing mm. out. You know, you can show everything on mm. Showtime or HBO or somebody like that. I've never understood why they do what they do. It's not like you can get up on your TV show or your TV and look around. The blurry part and see anything it i grew work up in, that way i grew up in those arcs i come in from school and we usually live by a creek or out in the mountains and i'd either get my 410 shotgun or get my fishing pole and i'd disappear out in the woods until dark you know i was never out there fishing or hunting or anything and thought man i think i'll just take all my clothes off and run around in the woods you that's know? the last thing you want to do you know what i'm saying yeah with ticks and chiggers yeah. and snakes oh, and everything it's like these people are nuts yeah i <laughs> maybe that's how or they got on tv or the worst the worst thing was the what's that you get in the water and you get one of the, the things that suck blood out of you leeches oh, leeches man yeah. i hate leeches those things are just the nastiest looking things and yeah. sit and strike a match and put it on it and make it drop it. Let go. Yeah, fortunately, there weren't many of those in Stone County. But 
was yeah, it too cold i never there? was going to i never was going to try it no i just in the creeks in arkansas there's just not that many leeches i well, guess the water good. is too the water is too cool i don't I've never gotten a leech in, in canoeing or kayaking or yeah, swimming you, or anything if you like go out that. In a stock pond or something like that, you might pick up some. Or, I mean, right. if you maybe if you went further south, probably probably you get down south Arkansas, those, those swamps down there. I'm yeah, sure might, you find some might, down there. Might be a little different in, in stagnant water. Right. Don't have alligators in, up there either. <laughs> <laughs> the really really big leeches. Yeah, the big leeches. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the other shows that I like. Is uh, alligator hunters no i was i was prey the people who have run in with wild animals a lady that last one that i saw that was just wild was a lady up in alaska and a polar bear had come into town and it caught her Mm. in the middle of the street and she was she was lucky to get out of that alive i forget i forget how many stitches she took on her head it was literally holding on to her by the top of her head Oh. and swinging her around oh my. when a guy yes. came out of his his uh, cabin and fired a gun up in the thing it scared the bear for a moment mm. he ran out and helped her into his house and that bear tried and just about succeeded in beating the door down and getting mm. into him she didn't believe in gun oh. control at that point did mm-hmm. she? no she, she, was, she was a person <laughs> that believed in it she was just glad that somebody came out with, with one. a gun that's right if you're going to face oh. a uh, polar bear you better uh, have more than a twenty-two. That's pretty. Yeah, you <laughs> better have a big gun. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if my three hundred eight would do much. Well, much I think a three hundred eight would get its attention. Yeah, three hundred eight would get its attention. I don't know. Yeah. If you'd have to shoot it a couple times, kill it. Right, probably a couple shot, times. Shot I would want to do it within like two or three feet of it. At fifty yards, I think you could put enough bullets in it to do it. But yeah, I think I'd trade my nine millimeter for a 44 magnum or something yeah, like that I, I think one of the problems with bears is they don't have a very big brain to shoot at and so i think that's one of the one of the problems with with trying to stop a bear and a bear heart rate is so slow it takes forever for it to bleed to, out to stop is that yeah. right yeah it's yeah. like thump 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 huh. thump hey Everybody in Alaska a carries a, a Remington 870 12-gauge as the gun of choice in Alaska. Yeah, that'll, that'll make almost anything better. If it, killed, right. if it killed them in Vietnam, it will kill a polar bear. I'm just telling you. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I got a Remington 870. Well, and an 870 That's is one of, the, one of them things that, you know, even if it doesn't kill the bear, if you if you skin half his face off with 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 buckshot or or even birdshot, I think it'll make him reconsider his ways. Do you really put birdshot in your, in your 12-gauge? For some stuff, you know what I you know what I have in mind. I have, I have buckshot, mm-hmm. a slug, mm-hmm. buckshot, a slug, and the last one, the fifth one is <laughs> buckshot. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what. I've, Everything I've, in that a gun will kill you. <laughs> I'm just selling. I've, I've got some. I've got some custom loads that I've made myself. Number threes, in fact. And um, yeah, I put my son was got him a new uh, gun to shoot three gun competition with, and. Uh, uh, we usually shoot birdshot because you're shooting clays and you shoot yeah, so right. many times you put yeah, birdshot in there keep them tearing him up well i had this miscellaneous box that i just throw everything in when i come in so <laughs> uh-uh. i grabbed the miscellaneous box i put some three some you know three inch high brass yeah. in there and number twos and threes and he was shooting yard, clays huh? it didn't take him long to say <laughs> hey something something's else. up yeah something's up <laughs> i don't know if my shoulder's gonna handle right. this dad so I, I've, I've i reload a little bit and so i've, I've reloaded some i've got I've got some rounds that have two round balls in them, so that this is a two and a quarter ounce load Woo. of lead. 
I, I actually broke two tactical stocks shooting these things. They're heavy, heavy. Um, and so I, I'll do sometimes I'll do two round balls. Sometimes I'll do a round ball with I think six six buck, um, six pellets. I think it's mm. triple lot buck or something like that. And so it's a that would be a pretty decent self defense round. Yeah. Round, round ball will go through just about anything. Put anything a, in a twelve gauge, just about. They right. even have like baskets and cables tied together, so you yeah. can take down drones. Almost anything. You can, they have for <laughs> right, real. Right. You, if you go to the gun show, yeah, you yeah. you open up a cable about this big, and <laughs> and somebody's flying a drone over your property, you can pretty well take it out take easy. It down. Yeah. It won't be, <laughs> but no, won't be a problem. Art, Artie's right about the the twelve gauge. Though almost anything you shoot out of that's going to make someone reconsider attacking you even if it is light bird shot put some salt in it that'll do it. i used to go you know we'd go down to um, the the lakes down in hot springs and out on one of the islands out there to to sight our shotguns mm-hmm. for uh, turkey season yeah. and uh, i had just got done i think three weeks before having work done on my shoulder on my it was on my uh it's on my right shoulder and we went out shooting that sucker and uh i woke up the next day after doing that and my shoulder was black and blue from the top of my shoulder all the way down <laughs> to my really waist bad. Oh, wow. oh it was not good uh, a pump uh, uh, does have recoil it's, it's, it's you know what i ended up put action. on it you know what i put on it and i gotta tell you it's one of the best pieces of of uh, protection i ever put on my my shotgun and i got a limb saver mm. and put mm. that baby on the end of the of the stock and it it kicks like a like a mule but it absorbs it is that that, right i've never tried oh try a limb saver they're they're really good yeah well those those heavy loads that i made up uh, custom i I didn't put a real heavy powder charge in them but that heavy that heavy heavy um charge of lead heavy load of lead was just so as it spin you around it it twist you into the ground no no i i was able to stand (laughs) up with it but it was um but it just kicked hard, and it. But I had I had a tactical stock on the shotgun, and and I actually broke it from the kick from the recoil. And I, and I called the manufacturer. I don't think I even had to send it back. They were pretty good about sending me another one. And I broke a second one, and then they sent me. A, I think they sent me a little heavier duty one. Yeah, you get next. I got to get a hold of Rick out in furlough and have him clean up my twelve gauge. It it had run in some problems. I meant to take it in. And I haven't. It, the 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 shells were hanging up. Mm. Yeah. On eight seventy, yeah, that's unusual. Hmm. So I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that fixed because I love going out and just shooting it. It's just fun to shoot. It makes a nice boom. <laughs> hey, I've got more shotguns and everything else put together. <laughs> All right. So, did you know there's 567 different ways to claim your uh, Social Security benefits and 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook? And on top of that, the Social Security Administration actually forbids their people to offer you any personalized advice so you're out there on your own so it's a good thing to get a hold of uh, david lucas host of the david lucas show here on 101.1 fm the answer and get a hold of a 2018 guide to social security you know it's no wonder why as much as 10 billion dollars in benefits go unclaimed every year to get your free 2018 guide to social security call 501 501- Six five three sixty six ninety. Don't leave any money on the table when it comes to your Social Security. Get back every nickel that is rightfully yours. Five zero one six five three 
888-900-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, coming up after the news, top of the hour, Dr. Everett Piper is going to be with us, president of Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan University. There, I got it out for you. But he'll join us, and we're going to talk about Zabies. Now, I mentioned this uh, a week ago, that now a lot of people are not calling their children babies, but they're calling them Zabies because they want their child to pick their own sex. This is common core gender. Yeah, I mean, it's just bizarre <laughs> right. stuff. But anyway, we're going to talk about that with the uh, the president. He says the definition of love has been lost. Now, he says, how can you tell somebody you love them when all you do is accept them? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what this is all about. You have to. You have to accept everyone. If there's no value to anything that's unique or or uh, the, the fact is, you know, I, we, we like actual things about people, actual attributes. I mean, I, I like my brother because he works hard. I like his wife because she's a she's a, she's loyal and she's she, she's an awesome wife to my bro- brother. I, I like certain aspects about them. I don't just accept them the way they are. I like them because of their qualities. No, well, a, the, you you just tolerate your children. Think about that. <laughs> I tell my kids I love them and all the time, and they're in their you know they're in their forties, late forties, and I tell them I love them all the time. I don't say you know I really tolerate you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and but that's that's what it's all about now. It's about tolerating people. It's not about loving people there is no right and wrong there's no source of authority and uh and everything is acceptable so if you take god out of society you don't have anything but lawlessness that's yeah i accept you i don't care anything about you i accept you hey i will you know it's even better acceptance is better than tolerate Tolerate can mean you just can't even take you know you don't don't, want to even see them i don't like you but i'm not you're here Yeah. yeah I'll tolerate you being by me. I tell you what, no, yeah, you disrespect your mother, and I'm gonna not gonna tolerate. That's you. it. That's I won't what tolerate that at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're disrespectful to your mother, there will be no tolerance. Okay, so here's something you need to tolerate. You need to tolerate Holland Bottom Farm. No, you need to love Holland Bottom Farm. I go there all the time. Three twenty one uh, Highway three twenty one, right out in Cabot. Take the first Cabot exit if you're coming up sixty seven one sixty seven. Get off there. Hang a right, go over the big Vidoc on 321. You'll find them right on the right-hand side. Uh, squash and eggplant and cucumbers and bell, banana, jalapeno peppers. They got all the different color, like uh, you know, green peppers, yellow peppers, orange peppers, red peppers. It's always nice stuff to have. Throw in salad, uh, salads, add some color to it. They've got watermelons, blackberries, blueberries, Everything is fresh from the farm right to your table, so your family eats fresh. Eat the best vegetables, eat the best fruit from the folks at Holland Bottom Farms. Okay, we've got news coming up here in just a moment. I Between 4.30 and 5, Paul will get on this uh, 
lawsuit on the First Amendment de- dealing with Courtney Goodson. Sounds and, good. And we need to talk about that. I'll post something on Facebook about and it. We talk about that as well. We talked about it a lot when it happened. Yep. Now we need to talk about that there's a lawsuit. And the race is still going. Oh, yeah. Because this, this race is going to be, this is going to be, the election Decided in, up November. in November. That's exactly right, because nobody got 50 plus one right, so during the primary. So that's going to be Courtney Goodson between and David Sterling. Sterling. Yeah, yep. Sterling and Goodson, that's what's coming up. And I'm going to tell you what, it sure smells bad when the person who stops the ads from running happens to be a good friend of the family and happened to get paid for doing work for the family. That's not good. The conflict of interest. Sounds like Arkansas politics. Yeah, the conflict of interest. Sounds like somebody might might be winning their case. We'll have to see how that all turns out. Let's take a break. Come back with the news here in a moment. And then we'll come back with Dr. Everett Piper. We've all been waiting for him here over the last uh, week. He'll be with us next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Into the 4 o'clock hour. You who are going home, lucky you. You get to be driving in your car and start beating on your uh, steering wheel and all kinds of stuff as we pick up today's topic for 4 o'clock. Our uh, guest today is someone we love having here on the show. Try to do something with uh, this gentleman just about quarterly, what we try to do. And it's Dr. Everett Piper. I got to know Dr. Piper when he was at CPAC a few years back, and uh, he, we were uh, talked to by some of the folks from Regnery, and uh, he came by to join with us. And I remember, I think it was Russ who had met with the uh, the people who were bringing him by and said, "You got to have this guy on." I said, "Okay, let's do it." You know, you know, he's a president of the university, and I said, "Oh, a good president or not so so good president." good president is conservative president this is a really good president dave so we uh we brought dr everett piper on and i've tried to get him on as often as we can since he wanted to talk about something that i honestly feel like needs to be talked about a whole lot more because what happens is things start happening in academia at times and new words and terminology come out and new thoughts start coming out. And a lot of people in the universities just, uh, you know, accept them at face value and start teaching it. And one of those things is this new word. I don't know if you've heard it yet. We've, we've mentioned it on the air before, and that is a they-be. Yeah, T-H-E-Y-B-I-E. I know it sounds bizarre because it is. <laughs> I mean... As, I, as we've said on this show many a time, mm-hmm. when you're in a delivery room, <laughs> very seldom do you hear them say, the doctor say, it's uh, I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> okay, they say either it's a boy or it's a girl. So now I guess the doctors are supposed to do this. It's a they be. Because these are people who say a child doesn't have a gender until they pick their own gender am i am i on this right doc am am i got this correct yeah unfortunately you do it's just uh it's bizarre it's crazy it's asinine ideas matter and what's taught today in the classroom is going to be what's practiced tomorrow in our culture and these geniuses that have been teaching about gender neutral pronouns and these scholars that have been telling us that we don't know 
that a woman is a biological fact, that instead she's a fabrication and a fantasy of a dysphoric male who wants to raise his hand on a given day and say, I'm a woman. So these geniuses that want to deny science then turn around and accuse conservatives like you or me of being science deniers mm. are now telling us that there's no such thing as a baby, but rather it's a baby, because somehow a child, an infant, is going to be capable of identifying his or her own gender when they reach the age of four or five. Now, who in their right mind actually thinks this is possible? This is bad psychology. This is bad ontology. This is bad theology. This is bad for children. And it will ultimately result in women and children being hurt first and most, because whenever you unleash the male libido like this, so that we start playing with these uh, sexual terms in a manner that is not objectively fact, but rather the feelings of dysphoric males predominantly, it's the women and children who are subjugated to these particular people and their fantasies and delusions. It's misogynistic and it's wrong. Dr. Everett Piper is the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. I've got a couple other guys here in the studio with us today, Doc. They're part of my power panel. R.D. is here. Paul is here. They're going to jump in and ask a few questions as well. And then I I want to get talking with you as we end this half hour we have together is the word toleration and how that's changing the culture that we live in. And with that, let me turn it over to R.D. I know he's got some questions. Dr. Piper, thank you for being on our show again today. You know, Oh, I'm thrilled. Hey, uh, you know, when I look back, I get angry at myself. You know, when I look at the Arkansas uh, Republican platform that we just went over in the Republican meeting, uh, they have reform in there for education reform. And I saw that we had God for our founder on our foundation on the first of the platform. I go to the back. We talk about capitalism on the back. And we have God in the back. But on the education reform, God is not mentioned in the education reform. And I plan to be able to to get that changed. But to me, this is a result of our grandparents and our parents and our own selves for not demanding that we teach creation in our classroom along with what they call science. So at least kids in the classroom can hear both sides of the story and give teachers the ability to be able to state their opinion on the creation. But we've got to go back to the foundation, or this country does not have a foundation, which is God. Well, I started out the show by saying what's taught today in the classroom will be practiced tomorrow in our culture. And if our classrooms expunge the reality of a creator from the, from the, and they make it impossible for somebody who actually believes in self-evident truths that are endowed to us by who? Our creator. So how can we talk about our seminal documents, such as the Declaration of Independence, which sets the foundation for our constitutional free republic? How can we talk about any of that if we deny the very language they're in? Self-evident truths, in other words, objective truths, a revelation of God, not a construct of man, that are endowed to us by who? Our Creator. They're not made up by you or me. Okay? So when we get to the educational system, if all we're doing is celebrating opinions, human constructs, social constructs, and we're giving degrees and diplomas away because somebody has an opinion, that's a very lousy education. At Oklahoma Wesleyan, I don't pat you on the back and say, congratulations, you've got an opinion. That's what you majored in. I actually expect you to learn something. And, And your question is spot on. What is wrong with having a debate on these issues? What are they afraid of? 
So if you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want to teach radical Darwinism, then go ahead and teach it. But what are you afraid of in terms of bringing somebody else, such as myself or someone else, into the classroom to have a good, robust debate and suggest? That if there's a painting, there might be a painter. If there's a development, there might be a developer. If there's a house, there might be an architect or a contractor. So therefore, when we see other design that's obvious around us, there might be a designer. So why not have that conversation? Thank because you so it much. doesn't fit the agenda, perhaps. This is Paul Calvert here. Um, at what point did we get the locks on the wrong side of the doors for these people that call themselves intellectuals i mean how how do people that are this um insane get yeah you can't use intelligence for these people how how do you get get people like this in positions as college professors they seem like they maybe need to be institutionalized with the locks on the other side of the door well we've um it's an age-old problem it's nothing new I mean, as St. Paul tells us, that when we start worshiping the created rather than the creator, when we start worshiping the created rather than the creator, we get a reprobate mind. We can't think clearly any longer. In other words, the more narcissistic you become, worshiping the God you see in the mirror rather than the God you see in the Bible, the more of a reprobate mind, a clouded rationality you're going to have. You can't think clearly. M. Scott Peck called it the diabolical human mind. Graham Walker called it the pathology of the intellect, and he suggested that the smarter you are, the more prone you are to the sickness of the mind. And it's also true. The academy is loaded with smart people, but they worship themselves rather than God, and therefore they're subject to the reprobate mind, the diabolical human mind, the pathology of the intellect, the sickness of intelligence. That, I've never heard it put that way. I mean, I know what the Apostle Paul is saying, that, you know, that they began to, to to worship the creation and not the creator and, and and paul said what that would lead us to and if we look at a, a country we live in now that's exactly uh where we are at we can't even figure out boys and girls i mean that's pretty basic we, we've got we've got the so-called <laughs> yeah. intellectuals in america right now telling us that you know this little this little newborn child you know we're gonna we're gonna let it wait let, let we're gonna wait for several years, and let let them decide if they're a male or a female. Okay, and, and we're going to expect these children to, to 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 be able to function in society. Well, and again, I'm a Christian, so I don't apologize. Nope for for my Christianity driving my conclusions. Mm-hmm. And again, if somebody wants to debate debate me with a different worldview, then I'm very open to that. And that's what a liberal arts edu- education is supposed to be. If you want to go back, let's talk about a liberal arts education. If it was founded a thousand years ago at Oxford, let's say, why? To educate a free man and a free woman, a free culture, a free society, a free church, and a free country. It was an education in liberty. That's why it was called a liberal arts education. And the irony today is that as conservatives, you and I are more classically liberal, liberal. than our left, left of center counterpart because we believe in truth judging the debate, not power, not privilege. We actually know that women are real. We don't pretend that they're leprechauns <laughs> and unicorns. We know they're biological facts. We don't deny science. We embrace it, and therefore we can have a debate. I wouldn't, you know, you know, women are awesome, and men are awesome. The fact is that I, I don't want a woman to, to, I'd like to be married someday, but I don't want a woman that looks like Artie Hopper. Artie Hopper's an awesome guy. 
but but I, I don't want a woman that looks like Artie Hopper that acts like Artie Hopper. Artie Hopper is a man, and he he's he, he's a he, I think he's a good man. But the fact is that there's a difference in, in men and women, and we need to recognize and embrace that. Doc? Well, and what happens when you don't? You're yeah. denying the woman. You take away her dignity. You take away her identity. You take away her shower. You take away her bathroom. You take away her sport. You take away her scholarship, and you give it to a biological male who wants to pretend on a given day he's a woman. That's misogynistic. You can't be a feminist and deny the feminine. We again win if we reclaim the high ground of these words and these definitions because we're the true liberals, we're the true feminists, we believe in women, we're not misogynistic, we honor facts. Embrace feminine excellence. Dr. Piper, how do we convince the people in our congregations and the people in our society that that uh, that believe that children hearing both sides of the issue and hearing honest debates uh, in the classroom, how do we get these people uh, out to vote and how do we get them active? You know, so many people believe that, you know, God's in control and, and then I don't have any obligation of doing this. And I know you and I believe that God gives us instructions and 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 uh, expects us to be involved in what's in healthy for our country and for our society. So how do we wake people up and get them involved and get them in these debates and try, uh, try to take our country back to where it's 50-50 at least anyway? Well, I guess I, if I could wave a magic wand on that and solve the problem, I'd, <laughs> I'd be a wealthy man. Yeah, uh, you would. <laughs> but but I think there, there's an obvious thing, and education is important. You guys are doing your job. You're trying to educate people as to what's really going on. I'm doing likewise. So I think we need to remember our obligation to educate, and it takes a while to wake people up. And I think, uh, I think of Bonhoeffer, for example. He was confronting the apostasy, uh, mm-hmm. a sleeping church of Germany, and he kept at it. And he said, not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. A few years later, A.W. Tolzer said, you know, we can surely see the demise of our time, but why are so few, few people silent? So we know that the church has a tendency to become complacent and to become quiet, and not want to engage in the debate. It's wrong. It's not the it's not the right thing for the body of Christ to do. We are salt, and if we don't maintain our saltiness, then we're going to be thrown out and trampled upon because nobody's going to care. Yeah, you Thank throw you. throw in salt, you know, throw everything before swine. They just trample it underfoot. That's what they do. Perfect. Doc, if you'll hold on a second, we'll be right back with you. I got to get sure. a break in, and then I want to turn the the discussion a little bit to tolerance because it's having an effect on our culture we'll be back with dr everett piper he is the president of oklahoma wesleyan college i'm having problems with oklahoma today uh but uh, dr piper and i will talk about uh the whole thing about tolerance when we continue on the dave ellswick show back with you we've got just a few moments left with dr everett piper but i did want to change the direction of the conversation a little bit because he said something really important uh talking about he loves his kids he just doesn't he doesn't just tolerate them he loves his children i love my kids i i love my grandkids in fact my kids might think i love my grandkids more than i love them the way that i i raised them but they're raising their kids in a in a good christian way now uh as well 
But let's talk about, because this word is used all the time, Dr. Dr. Everett Piper is our guest, President, Oklahoma, Wesleyan University up in Bartlettsville. But, you know, this, this word tolerance, they use it as some catchphrase and end-all, uh, the be-all, basically. And when you say you tolerate some somebody, that is far, far less than loving somebody. And as Christians, we're supposed to love everyone, not just tolerate everyone. You know, I was on the O'Reilly Factor a few years ago, and we were getting into the issue of religious freedom. And uh, in that discussion, that debate, I finally looked at Mr. O'Reilly, and I said, Mr. O'Reilly, on your anniversary, did you send your wife an I Tolerate You card? (laughs) (laughs) I suggest suggest you probably didn't. It wouldn't have ended very well. Mm -hmm. Because tolerance is always an inferior virtue, but Christian charity, i.e. love, is always a superior virtue. Tolerance says I could care less, do what you want. Love says, I care deeply, now stop. And as, you, as, you, as you've alluded to, you know, I've said recently, yeah, I raised my boys, I've got two boys, and for the, when, I, when I put them to bed every night when they were little boys, we read a Bible story, we read a regular story, we prayed, and after we were done, every night I looked at my boys and I said, I love you. I never once said, I tolerate you. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, tolerance is an inferior virtue. It would have been telling my boys, I don't really care, about you, do what you want. Love always, always says, I care deeply about you enough to stand in your way and tell you to stop. And we need to stop worshiping at the altar of tolerance and sacrificing our children at this altar of tolerance. We need to love them enough to actually raise them to to become men and women of God. Yeah, That's so important, and we're losing it in our culture now. We really are. We're just supposed to tolerate everybody. That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. Well, it goes back to your lead story, babies. We're going to tolerate whatever our children want to choose in terms of their gender and their sexuality. I'm sorry, I'm not going to. I am going to raise my boy to become a young man. I'm not going to tolerate him if he wants to play at being a woman. I'm going to confront him and stand in his way, and I'm going to say, that's not a fact, that's a fantasy. And no, there's a better way to live. There's a biblical way to live. In other words, I'm not going to enable him in his sin. I'm going to confront him to become selfless and give his life to his Savior. I love him. I'm not going to tolerate him. Because you love him, you will not tolerate that that demonic, terrible behavior, whatever you want to wish to call it. Yeah, I've already said, Doctor, if, I, if I'm doing something that's not a healthy lifestyle or if I'm doing something that's not good for me, or something that's not going to lead to a, a good end, and there's 50 people that know about it, and one of those people come and care enough about me to confront me and tell me that what I'm doing is, is not going to give get the desired results. That's the one person that loves you and cares about you. The other 49 people that are going to tolerate what you're doing are going to allow you to fall off the bridge. And what what parent out there? would tolerate their children if they were just playing in a busy street or tolerate their children when they're doing something else that, you know, maybe playing with a skill saw going to chop their fingers off. What parent would tolerate them when they're doing things like that that are destructive but but tolerate the fact that they, they're going to be um, mentally insane with this gender garbage? All right, got to jump in because we're out of time. We already know what his answer is. <laughs> All right. Now, Dr. Everett Piper has been our guest. Uh, he's the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Tell them where they can get your book, Doctor. 
go to notadaycare.com, notadaycare.com, or you can go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com and just look it up. It's called, it's titled, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Not a Daycare. Great, great book. Thank you much, Doc. We'll get you back on here with another three months. We enjoy talking to you. Let's take a break for the news. Then we'll come back after you get 60 seconds of the biggest story, and uh, we'll pick up about a lawsuit that's going on. We're back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm going to let you say everything you want to say in this, Paul. Same with R.D. You'll remember earlier around primary time that uh, there was all kinds of uh, brouhaha raised about ads that were being uh, aired during the uh, Supreme Court debate. run of, race there yeah courtney the, goodson and yep. david sterling and i re- forget who the other there was a third candidate was, um kenneth hickson I, yes and i had hickson on and i had sterling on never could get goodson to come on so the bottom line is there were some ads that were running during that time uh and people were saying it was black money Dark money. Dark, dark money. money. Dark of, money uh, means dark that you don't money. agree with me. That's They're right. Like the <laughs> Absolutely. The left. That's exactly what it means. And uh, <laughs> so during uh, the the uh, run-up to the uh, primary, they pulled these ads off of uh, a couple of TV stations. And uh, a judge, who it came to be known, had uh, pretty close ties to Courtney Goodson, uh, is the one who pulled them off of uh, the television stations and i was surprised when it happened that the tv stations didn't fight back and be harder and be and be tougher on it and but they they kind of let it go well today in the paper john moritz uh article by him in a court filing yesterday a little rock broadcaster claimed its free speech rights were violated in may when a circuit judged barred it from uh, airing ads harshly critical of Arkansas Supreme Court Justice Courtney Goodson. The circuit judge's order to pull the ads is now on appeal to the state Supreme Court by Tegna Incorporated, the parent company of Little Rock TV station KTHV. Attorneys for the company filed a brief of their appeal Monday. Quote, by granting Goodson's request for a preliminary injunction, the circuit court silences campaign speech in the critical days before the election, wrote the attorney John Tull in the brief. Tull also serves as counsel for the Arkansas Press Association, which is not a party to the lawsuit. He said the decision by Pulaski County Circuit Judge Chris Piazza contradicted previous U.S. Supreme Court decisions regarding uh, prior restraints on speech and set a harmful precedent. Failure to uh, reverse Piazza's decision will result in a biennial flood of defamation suits from aggrieved political candidates across Arkansas who will follow Goodson's lead and sue the press to silence speech harmful to their campaign. Lauren Hoover, an attorney for Goodson, said Monday that the ads were not only unfair, they were false. The U.S. Supreme Court, she said, has also recognized the differences between nonpartisan judicial races and partisan campaigns. Hoover's reply brief is due in a month. 
What Tegna doesn't understand is there are political ads within the range of fair play, Hoover said. You can't just go out and lie. Now, my question on that is how do you know they're lying or not? There's no proof on either end that it's a lie or it's not a lie. And uh, do you just stop it because somebody says it is a lie? Well, it's nothing new uh, uh, for people to, to try to do things like this. But it's something you have to be prepared for. You know, whenever I was running for the office that, that I was running for, you know, I supported a bill to have have ualr look into what it would cost to really to uh, replace the lone oak county's uh, millage for the funding the county with a sales tax eliminating the sales tax in lone oak county and replacing it uh, i mean eliminating the millage and replace it with a sales tax so everyone would be paying equally according to the money they spent mm-hmm. so the more elderly people that own land that didn't have people in the school systems mm-hmm. would right. be disproportionately paying more than than, than other people right. and they accused so, you of supporting a tax so increase. they accused me in the last few weeks of supporting you know a millions of dollars tax increase when really we were going to eliminate one and replace it with another yeah, style but they keep they kind of forgot the part about eliminating right. one and they had dollar bills all over these ads and uh, yeah. that i voted for these millions right. so, of dollars so, of taxes so, so you had you had a decent claim that there was actually false charges from what i can tell with this courtney goodson stuff what, reading later in the in the article there on the in the in the dim gas from what i can tell she's she's claiming that she's being defamed when they were talking about how she accepted gifts and whatever else but she's not actually denying, denying that she's saying that well she would she would recuse herself from these cases that's not that's not that's not proof that she's being defamed that's just it sounds like she's actually admitting to the charges, admitting to the to the things that she's being accused of. Well, everybody does it, Paul. So I guess as long so. As everybody does it. It's standard procedure, right, so. right? I guess so. But the thing is, that, so I'm not seeing any. I'm not even seeing evidence from her camp that she even thinks she's being defamed. Because the fact is, someone telling truth about you is not defamation. And just because they they tell truth about you that maybe looks makes you look kind of goofy or weird or bad doesn't it's still not defamation. If I if I tell you that you know Artie Hopper has six toes on his foot, I don't know if he does or not. But if it's true, it's not defamation, even though it might make him look a little weird. Now the bottom line here is, is simple: she hasn't proved defamation. She if, if she was being defamed, I would think that she would bring suit come forth with a, against with the, evidence. the people yeah, or, who are or, doing or this. Or at the very least claim, no, I, she could at least claim, no, I, was not, I did not receive those gifts, or I did not get these perks, or, did not, or, or I did not support this, that, or the other that, I, that these people are claiming about me. You know, you know, if someone comes out and says, you know, Paul Calvert wants to um, raise taxes and do this, that, or the other – they need to I, – I, I can come out and say, no, I absolutely don't want to raise taxes because – and here's what I actually said. But but she's not saying that from what I can tell. She looks like she's saying, well, I did say that, but that's – but they're, they're characterizing it as, as in, in a mean way. or That's that's about the extent of what, what it, it seems like she's saying in defense of herself is that, well, I did accept those gifts, but I'm going to recuse myself if those cases ever come come before me. That's basically saying, yeah, the accusations are true. Well, the other thing is but about like talking about the raise, and she says, well, the whole court 
uh, asked for the raise. Yeah, but did you step forward and say, I don't want that raise? Or did you actually vote along with the rest of them? Yeah. It sounds to me like she's she's actually hanging herself in these cases. She's saying, well, I did it, but. Well, if you look, I, I apply this. I can't help but to think about the ethics problem that we're having in arkansas with all the legislators that are in businesses that make money off of medicaid and then they're up there voting on medicaid issues Mm. and 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 all the exposes of people that are getting paid for their attorney fees and their consulting disproportionately more than what is standard practices because of the position that they're in and they're voting on issues and, and maybe but they're, they're getting, not saying and maybe they're getting some bills passed too right well they're not saying that we're going to quit voting on this right now the suggested reform right re, reform there's the dangerous word in politics mm-hmm. reform is that we're just going to make it known that we're in this business disclosure. required disclosure that would be before, better. before we vote but how about like a judge, how about if you're going to be make money off of this, you shouldn't be able to vote on it if well, you have a that, vested that, interest That in might it. be reasonable, but at the very least, disclosure seems reasonable. You know, I'm a landlord. If I was a legislator and I was going to push a bill affecting landlords, then I think it would be reasonable to, to point out, say, you know, I'm a landlord and I this, this bill is going to benefit me, but I think it's upright and just and that's why I'm supporting it. I'm not supporting it just simply because I want to enrich myself. And so I think that's a reasonable thing to, to point out is that, yes, I'm going to support this legislation, and yes, it will benefit from me if it passes, but recognize that I'm, this is up front. I guess I'm, if I'm they put – I'd have to agree with you. I guess if they all made a list of, of their businesses and, and, okay, I'm an attorney in this company here that is pushing this bill, pays me $500,000 a year. Sure. So I guess if they disclosed all of it, that would be better than, right. than non-disclosure right. now. Or I'm a consultant, and now you only have to say, well, they give me over like $1,200 a year, but I don't have to tell you they gave me $500,000 mm-hmm. this year. To, and, so, and I helped them pass four pieces of legislation. Exactly. So I guess what you're saying is right. It'd be an improvement, but it, 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 would it, be seems, like, it and, seems like and, we and need to do more. And sometimes it's appropriate, but, but it does seem a bit – I think that goes hand in hand with what we're talking about this judge. I mean, if she took all these trips and all these wine and dine and all these perks and everything, then uh, – And it doesn't, that doesn't it, mean it, she's it, corrupt. It, it should, it should, it's still within the letter of the law, just like the other things right. that we're talking about, but – there judges. needs to be some kind of better disclosure right. of it. As far as I can tell, judges can still have friends. They can go out and party with people. They can go out on vacations. It's not illegal for them, but it might look kind of fishy. Now, if you're going out to do the, the trips and whatever, and that's legal in the letter of the law, that's okay. However, it is also legal for another side to, to say tell, to, to you, talk about exactly. it. hey, do you want to vote for somebody who is beholden to these people because they did all these trips and things of that nature. I mean, we all wonder when people give inordinate amounts of money to a candidate if the candidate is going to show favoritism Mm -hmm. to the people that are donating all the money. Most people say, well, surely they would. They don't want to (laughs) lose the money that's coming into them. So there is always the the feeling of impropriety to it, even if it's technically legal. And, and the thing is, I don't think she was being accused of doing anything illegal. She's just being accused of doing some stuff that make people think, hmm, maybe I don't want to vote for her. 
Yeah, and sometimes the people thought that the candidate that was running against her, I know David Sterling, I believe. Yeah, they thought that he was behind it. They thought that he was behind it. So so David was somehow guilty by by association because that he didn't even go uh, out looking for it. And he's not even allowed to be associated with it, if I understand it correctly. He can't even call them up and say, Hey guys, cut this out. He cannot if I understand that that correctly. He's 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 got a a legal obligation. He's got a legal dilemma. To say hands off. <laughs> That's what he's it, got. I'll go again. How much freedom do we want to give up, and how much freedom do we want yeah, our courts right. to take away from us? Our freedom of speech if is we, one thing. If that we, we ask we them, have to stand up for. If we ask them, I'm afraid they're going to say, "Well, you should give up all of it." Yeah, yeah we'll do what's best for you. <laughs> we'll decide Just what you us. can hear and what you can't hear. That's more paternalism. We're going to decide yep. what people are will, are allowed to tell you and what people aren't allowed yeah, to we'll tell be you. Yeah, your mama and daddy. Mm-hmm. That way yeah. you don't have to take any yeah. responsibility for your yeah. own life. Here's, and that's where that all comes from. Yeah, people here. don't want to take responsibility mm-hmm. for making a choice. Yeah, here, suck on this teeth. Nah. we got more coming your way. We'll finish up today's show with the Power Panel. Bible guys coming up after five o'clock. You still have a question you want to get in? Bible guys at Salem S A L E M L R dot com. All right, back with you. Got a special guest coming into Central Arkansas tomorrow. Attorney General Jeff Sessions will be here uh, tomorrow to meet with local officials about school safety and security programs. Two members of the state's congressional delegation will introduce him to administrators of Lake Hamilton School District. The campus just west of Hot Springs in Garland County has had armed personnel on uh, duty for two decades, said uh, Representative Bruce Westerman. I'm looking forward to giving the school a chance to share their ideas. I hope they see the difference between a rural district and an urban district and how a place like Lake Hamilton needs people on campus to deal with these situations. The district implemented its system after the de- uh, the deadly Westside Jonesboro shooting in 1998. Our local school districts, our local principals, and our parents should come together with their local district and make the right decision for their schools, said Congressman French Hill uh, from the 2nd District. In recent years, state laws have muddled the guidelines of who can and can't carry on a campus. Now with ideas like arming teachers and school staff being debated, Hill and Westerman pointed them out to White House House school safety uh, teams. So uh, protesters are expected, prompted by initial reports that Education Secretary, Secretary Betsy DeVos would join the Attorney General. DeVos heads the White House School Safety Task Force but has said she doesn't want that committee's work to focus on guns. So anyway, the Attorney General will be here tomorrow up there in uh, Lake Hamilton area uh, to talk with the people right there at the front lines. Isn't that awesome that there was a problem and someone wasn't scared in to take action and to do something to make yeah yeah 90 yeah yeah 98 so there was a problem they saw a need and they weren't a coward and wasn't afraid of set of upsetting somebody they went ahead and put a policy in place that would keep their children straight uh safe so uh i'd like to applaud lake hamilton uh schools for clarksville is the other one that has yeah clarksville's done the same carrying arms as well and they get extra training you know, I'm all about it. People are t- too often afraid of set of upsetting somebody to do the right thing, 
and to keep their kids safe oh, and, and, they'd, they'd be afraid they would upset somebody right. and the cool thing about this is that you know you don't really have to worry about what's going to happen if a if a if a um, active shooter situation does occur because guess what active shooter situations don't happen where people carry guns they just don't where, where, where the people are allowed to carry active shooter, shooter don't, situations don't happen occasionally you might get an assassination attempt like you have the Gab, gabby giffords case i think but that was more of an assassination attempt i think and not just a, a the random um mass killer type situation i think i think that's the only one over the last what 30 or 40 years that was um in a location um where people were allowed to carry and that was actually assassination an assassination attempt rather than just a mass killing i think anybody but, that preys on helpless people are cowards they're murderers I mean, murderers I mean, they're murderers and cowards but, but, but they're not looking for somebody that'll stand up to them right i mean they're they're evil they're not stupid that's that's exactly I mean, you right. know my, my dad used to work in a psych ward dealing with with people that had problems and they would attack the women, but not so much the men. These people were sometimes – they've got some problems, and they ha, they were evil sometimes, but they weren't stupid in most cases. They would, they would punch women sometimes, but a lot of times they wouldn't punch men because there's a reality there. We've got people that they may be crazy. They may have their morals all off, and they're willing to kill a bunch of people, but they still recognize that people who can defend themselves are not the people they want to attack. And a lot of them don't want to die. Well – you know, now there's some that do. Yeah. They may be on a suicide mission, but they're ready to they, kill but them. They, uh, but they still, know, somebody, they still they want, want somebody else to kill them. They want to take out a bunch of people and well, go into go into a place that is um, open for people to uh, to defend themselves is not going to be very effective for making a, a a big splash, if you will. Well, it's our responsibility as a society to spe- to protect our vulnerable our elderly and our children and we need to do what it takes to do it and we don't need to worry about who we're going to upset in the meantime yeah do what's right and take the consequences later that's what i was taught in fifth grade by mr rosa do the right thing and worry about the consequences after it's over no i don't still teach that in school do they no no not (laughs) a lot now you're you're guilty if you do the right thing (laughs) i mean i really i just the one thing i don't like about uh, what happens has happened in our schools and things of that nature is that there is very seldom someone who's pointed out as being the culprit, the person who did it. You know, if if somebody comes up and punches you and you punch them back in self-defense, suddenly you now are guilty as well. And I just, you know, that, that's the wrong message Descent to to society. Well, there is a right and wrong. Well, yeah, there is supposed to be. There is a right and wrong. One of the things is though that the, the, in so many cases the government wants to have a monopoly on defense or on or on force, if you will, and, and that's I think that's a messed messed up ideology. If you want people to remain free, people need to have the right to defend themselves without having to worry about government coming along and, ta- and attacking them simply because they defended themselves. I thought some of the experiment was self governance. Well, apparently that we've we've decided that we don't want self governance governance we want a master and <laughs> seems that way yeah i mean it's how many people will scream at you and just about cuss you out if you suggest that well we should maybe try liberty yeah that's what's that it's a it's an ancient that's taking, ideology that's, that's taking responsibility for your actions yeah you, people you, don't want you to must do believe that. in anarchy or something just because you you want to be able to 
choose what kind of toilet you buy or light bulbs or you cannot legislate morality but you, can, you can't you sure you can't do it people either have it or they don't but they but they can figure out some way to legislate immorality <laughs> can't yeah, they? they sure can all right uh, so here's the bottom line power panel will be back next tuesday Marty will be All here. Right. Elizabeth says she'll be here. She's been under the weather today. Paul is going to be back. At least I understand that he'll I be hope, back. I hope so. And we'll take up the topics of the day again. Know that on the female power panel on Thursdays, there's a big announcement coming up here in the near future. I'm not saying what it is. I'll let them announce it when they feel comfortable announcing it. Just know this. It's going to be very cool when it happens. Dave Ellswick Show, Bible Guys up next. Let's get to the news and then more here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, final hour of a Tuesday show. That means that the Bible Guys are in to answer any questions that you might have. If you can't call us because you have a boss that doesn't like you to be on the phone or whatever, that happens. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is email us. At Dave, uh, not Dave, at Bible Guys, because mm-hmm. it had come to me, but it, at least it would be identified for these guys. Bible Guys at SalemLR.com. That's Bible Guys at Salem, S A L E M L R.com. Now, if you want to call in and talk to them, you can do that. 823 Six five. You can ask your question. They'll try to answer it uh, to the best of their ability and to your understanding of what it is that uh, you want to ask questions about. So you call uh, here a two three zero nine six five. Russ is going to answer the phone. He'll get y'all set up, and I'll bring you up and let you talk to Scott. And let you talk to Steve. Of course, Scott Stewart is here. He is the pastor at Agape Church. 701 Napa Valley Drive here in Little Rock, Sunday service time, 10 a.m., and their website is ACLR, ACLR, that's Agape Church, Little Rock, mm-hmm. dot O-R-G. If you want to tweet to the doctor, you can do that, too, at Dr. Dr. just uh, abbreviation, no dot after that, Dr. Scott, S-C-O-T-T, Stuart s-t-e-w-a-r-t and we got a lesson in that last week also uh you know steve is here and uh you know he's welcome to answer any question he will not do it by twitter because he (laughs) does not have a twitter account Mm -hmm. still do you have facebook i do okay so what's that again um i think it's steven has nine he doesn't even know his own facebook (laughs) unbelievable (laughs) Stephen has nine. Okay. Yeah. Just look for the one that's got a picture of the Constitution on it. That's me. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'll do. I'll go through every, you know, f- you know, picture and look for the Constitution. Do you really? I'm not going to do that. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm talking about the one that has the name Steve Hess. No, Steve Hess. Okay. With look for that Steve Hess picture because you'll find the. There are about 10 or 12 of them out there, but the one that has the Constitution. Are right, any of them your relatives? No. Okay. Are you sure, or, you just, or do you just not claim them? Mm. Or, as we, or as we talked about trying to think with if Dr. Dad, Piper, do you tolerate them? <laughs> I don't know if my uh, my dad has a uh, 
I think he has a Facebook account, but I can't remember if he used Steve Hess or Stephen Hess. Or your dad's name is Steve. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? I thought today, if you didn't hear Doctor uh, uh, Everett Piper, you need to go back and listen to that half hour we had between four o'clock and four thirty, because when we were talking about you know the big thing now is that you tolerate everything. Yeah. You tolerate as though that is a high virtue. Right. That is not a high virtue. No. High virtue is love, and that's, that's right. what you get out of Christianity is mm-hmm. love. That's right. That's right. And people think that tolerating, tolerating is um, is kind and merciful, and, and it's not. Mm-hmm. It is not. Like you think, I think you said, do you tolerate your, your, your children, or yeah, do you love your I children? I love my children. You love your children. I don't that's tolerate right. them. I mean, how you is your wife going to say, sweetheart, I tolerate you? Well, that's what <laughs> he asked. He uh, asked, you know, that when you were – Standing, uh, he asked Bill O'Reilly that. Oh yeah, when you were standing up and taking your vows, and did you tell your wife that you tolerated her? <laughs> right. He says you probably wouldn't be married right now if you had said that. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. And real, real love is not tolerating somebody when they're wrong, but it's actually telling them when they're wrong. It's That's actually correct. Being a watchman on in the wall love. For them. That's right. In mm-hmm. love. That's the part that people miss when they move into this realm of judgment. They're almost like the holiness police. And when I get this question a lot, uh, when people say, well, no, we're not supposed to judge, that's not correct. It's You're not supposed to judge from an unrighteous or self-righteous point of view. But you're to go to a brother in love, and initially the manner in which Jesus told us to go was privately. And the manner shouldn't be, hey, brother, you're walking in sin. It should be, hey, brother, God loves you, and you are outside of his will right now and and i don't want to see you go down this path that's going to move you further and further away from you talk to him about it in love not the way i heard it presented at time which was get the unholy sinner out of the family so they don't corrupt the you know the congregation that mentality uh that's what that's the wrong mentality it should be in love you're supposed to be doing everything you can to bring them back that's right that's right to the fold so to speak and most of the time these people that steve is talking about what they do is they attack the outward in other mm-hmm. words they, they attack the you know the the symptoms of the illness and they don't ever go after the actual illness which is going to be you know inside the inside the human heart so they just go after your hair's too long your beard's not trimmed your your dress is not long enough they go all after the outward external and yeah. never deal with the actual root of the problem and uh, and that is in the heart of man so is is has it changed some as far as you're concerned uh, do you have very many congregates come up to you and say, "Did you see that person that was here today?" Mm. Do you do, do what? Do, you mean as far as like appearance and stuff? Yeah, like that? yeah. Do do yeah. we? You know, uh, did you see a guy who had tattoos all over him? Do, do you still run into that problem every once in a while? Yeah, every once in a while, and you you get um, you know the older the older generation who are used to more of a decorum and more of formality when it comes to church life. Um, sometimes I do get them talking to me because they they're like that person they wore they wore a ball cap in. Well, a ball cap's not going to kill you. It's not going to send you to hell. Uh, so let's let's overlook that and go for the soul. It goes mm-hmm. it goes back to again the external. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Um, you know, back in the day, you know they, you know, they used to tell us, you know, you need to, you need to look like a, a minister, which meant you wear a suit. Yeah, you know, and Third if you're not, guy. and if you're not wearing a suit, then you can't preach. You're not looking the right uh, in the right way. But Jesus didn't wear a suit. Paul didn't wear a suit. I mean, I mean, this is just a Western value, and that's part of our problem when we put Western values 
you know, we superimpose that over the gospel. As a missionary for more than half of my my life, one thing I had to fight against repeatedly was try that people would say, "You're trying to make Americans out of us, not Christians out of us," mm-hmm. and you had to really strip away your American veneer and just just make Christians or followers okay. of Messiah. Out Talk of people. a little bit more in a more specific way. Mm-hmm. How are we talking? You were saying you're trying to make us westernized. Well, I'll give you a quick example, um, and this was when I was living in Sweden. It goes back to clothing. Um, when I was living in Sweden, I told my uh, my worship team, I said, you know, you guys are the first, before they see me, before they hear me preach, you're the first impression that new people coming in get. You mm-hmm. represent the ministry. And I said, so I want the ladies to wear a dress, and I would like the uh, men to wear some nice slacks and, um, and, um, and you know, a nice shirt. First impressions. First impressions count. I don't know if I said a tie or not, but and you know, they were very submitted. They were very good, but they came to me a few weeks later and they said, "Listen, we're, we'll submit and flow with whatever you want, but we feel that you're trying to make uh, Americans out of us and not Christians." And they said, and and one thing they presented to me was quite interesting. They said, "You're making us dress down." See, they wanted to wear blue jeans, and I was making them wear slacks. Well, in Sweden, if you wore slacks, they cost you about fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. A pair of blue jeans was one hundred and seventy dollars. Really? Yeah, in Europe. Wow. So a, a group dressed in all blue jeans was a prosperity music ministry. A group dressed in slacks and dresses was meh. So I was telling them, I want you guys to dress down. You look too good in those jeans. Get out of those jeans and jeans and dress down. In my mind, I was saying, I'm dressing you up. Mm-hmm. But in that culture, I was actually dressing them down. That's wild. And when I heard that, I thought, put your jeans back on then. Mm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm done living like this. So we make Christians out of people. All right. Let's go to Catherine. She's over in Alexander. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Welcome to the show and your question for the Bible guys. Good. Thank you. Um, I'm just wondering, um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of prayers that don't get answered. I'm just wondering if maybe there's a specific reason why some prayers do not get answered. Okay. Do you gonna, you're going to just listen in on the radio? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Thank you. Uh, that's a That's a big question. Two things that come to my mind is one is uh, sin uh, that um, I can't remember the verse, but it talks about that it will hinder um, God hearing what you have to say if you're walking in sin. The other one is a relationship with your spouse. Um, Again, the exact verse um, has escaped me, but it says if you're not walking in unity or in love with your spouse, that it could even hinder your prayers. And the other one is it's God's will. The other one says that if you lay up your petitions for God, I think it's in James and it says uh, that that he will do according to his will. I can, I'll look it up real quick to get make sure I get it right. But I think those are the three things that come to my mind. Uh, and I'd add, I'd add a couple more to that. Um, the, the question was uh, about uh, why do prayers not get answered. Um, I think that a lot of people, when they think that, they're thinking, why am I not getting what I asked for? Mm. Because sometimes an answer is no. Yeah. So sometimes when people say, I, my prayer's not getting answered, well, it actually is getting answered. It's just not the answer you want. <laughs> And so the air, the prayer is being answered. But, but if we're talking about why aren't prayers actually being answered in the sense of being fulfilled, there can be a lot of different reasons. It could be, for example, Jesus said, and this is this is kind of um, um, more, I guess, more uh, technical. But you know, Jesus said, "You pray to the Father in my name." I think a lot of people pray to Jesus, uh, and I think so. Sometimes you need to look at how how you're actually formulating your your prayers. Secondly, uh, the Bible says, "Let he, let him who asks should ask in faith." Nothing wavering, you know. Are you saying, 
God, whatever you want to do, is it your will? Or you're actually praying a prayer of faith, or are you not in faith? I mean, uh, Catherine's question is really broad. It could be a lot of different, yeah. and there really isn't one specific. Another thing that comes to mind is um, if you remember the story where Daniel uh, was praying, and he, pray, he saw a vision, he prayed to get the answer. Gabriel arrives, but he arrives 21 days later, and Gabriel then says there in Daniel, it says, the, from the moment your words were heard, I was sent. Well, it doesn't take long to get from heaven to earth in the spirit. I mean, he's there. He can be there like that. But it takes him three weeks. Why did it take three weeks? Gabriel explains. He says, the prince of Persia resisted me, and I fought with this prince of Persia for three weeks until Michael came and worked with me and got him off of me so I could get the answer to you. There are some things, Catherine, happening in the spirit world that we don't understand. Maybe your answer is on its way. Mm-hmm. Um but the thing about Daniel is Daniel did not stop praying until uh, until the answer came. There used to be a bracelet. You remember that? Uh, what would Jesus do bracelets? Yeah. There used to be another one called push. You remember that one? No. And push, push stood for pray until something happens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just got to keep working with the heavenlies because you don't know what's trying to get to you, what's trying to hold it back. So you just keep praying and pushing it through. So it could be a, a plethora of things. It could be a you're not praying the prayer of faith. You're not praying in the, the right way. Actually, the Bible says you can pray. It says you you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss. Sometimes you're trying to shoot a target and you're shooting all over. You're not shooting at the target. So this is a pretty broad question that we could probably keep talking about on the other side of the break. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do that. Okay. We gotta get a break in. I need to tell everybody about if they're looking to get a career going. Maybe you like uh, working outdoors. You, you like to serve the community. Well, if you're detail-oriented, you strive to do the right thing, then the folks at PI Roofing are looking uh, for you if you um, have some uh, background. Uh, If you want a career with a leading company, can work with your hands, uh, you like to be outdoors, then you need to join their team. PI Roofing and Home Solutions is expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow, and they are getting bigger. Come build your future with them. PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities in their commercial roofing and service division, residential roofing and service division, and home solutions division. Remember, it was just a few months back that I told you that PI Roofing uh, was doing more than just repairing roofs. They were now repairing the damage inside your home that the leaks that you had in your roofs had caused to happen as well. Well, now you can join up your career with PI Roofing and Home Solutions. So let's make a happy difference uh, with them. Uh, get your uh, you know resume to them and start walking up the ladder to success with the folks at PI Roofing. Uh, apply at piroofing.com or call 501-707-3500. Fifty-one. All right, so our question from Catherine has got us talking about prayer. Mm-hmm. If you want to get in the conversation, 823-0965, 823-0965 is uh, uh, the, the number to call to talk to Scott or Steve. Uh, if you want to email us, you can do that at BibleGuys at SalemLR. Dot com. Salem is S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. And uh, just a lot of, I think, misunderstanding. We, we read 
the word and maybe we fixate on one verse or one lesson that we learn about uh, uh, a prayer. I mean, it was only last week that we talked about what you've alluded to already today is praying in the name of Jesus, but not praying to Jesus. We're supposed to pray to the Father. Right, right. Through the help of Christ. That's right. That's right. Jesus is the mediator uh, of the better covenant. We pray to the Lord in Jesus' name. And I'll go ahead and qualify. Last week we, we identified the name of Jesus in Hebrew as being Yeshua. And I and I don't know if I clarified last week. I don't think I did. That you know, if you pray in the name of Jesus, you know, he's, God obviously hears you. He knows that you're talking about uh, Jesus. That doesn't hinder your prayers by by using the name of Jesus as opposed to using the name uh, Yeshua. Uh, either way, is is um, God understands what you're saying, and you if you came to the Lord through the name of Jesus, and you're obviously going to identify there. But you know, as you grow, you do change. Um, but uh, God obviously still hears your prayers. But definitely, you have to pray to the Father in uh, Jesus' name. But this idea of unanswered prayer is pretty vast, as you and I both said. Sometimes the answer is no. Yeah, and we have to be able to accept that. And if we refuse to accept no as an answer, then we're brats. Isn't that we're what, is brats. what Paul said when? He was asking him to, asking God to remove that thorn, and the Spirit of God said, my grace is sufficient for thee, and he wouldn't remove whatever, whatever was. it was. Yeah, the debate is whatever it was, but the fact it was God said no. Yeah, and he knew it. When God said no, he understood it was no, and I think he makes it very clear and that I personally have had that happen before. I've been told no, and no, it doesn't make Dave – you're you're doing this wrong if you keep on asking God for this, and it ain't going to ha- usually had to do with a girl. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not going to happen, dude. All right. You know, do you ever pray and feel like you're asking for th- something that's just kind of stupid? Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, mean, sure. I'm talking to the God of the universe, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm talking about a girl or you know this or that and it's nothing big mm-hmm. you feel like when you go to the god of the universe you should be not wasting his time kind <laughs> right. of feeling that's how i you know I, I just feel that way at times yeah. i still keep praying about the school that right. i told you yeah, guys sure. about i think that's good because that was hey that was big time laid on my heart mm-hmm. and i'm i'm just and i haven't felt like i'm supposed to stop yeah yeah all right sorry about how we ended the last segment Sometimes I get carried away in the the talk that we got going on here and have not glanced up at the clock, and we are out of time at the bottom of the hour when the news starts. And I was driving Russ crazy because I couldn't figure out, because I was so far into this conversation of, whoa. Our, I kept turning your mic off, and you kept turning it back on, and I kept turning it back off, Keystone Cop style. Thank you. Yeah, Randy's pretty, probably going, boys, this is another one of those Keystone Cops moments that we have It was. Here. Yeah, well, it was, it was what it was. It was my fault, and I'm just letting everybody know that. And bottom line, I apologized for it. So let me apologize. Leave me alone now. <laughs> that's funny cardinals won six to two on saturday yeah they did they lost on sunday and they're still behind the cubs cubs are in first place 
But they won when I when yeah when you win. When That's the there. only time that it matters whether they win or lose is when you're <laughs> you're <laughs> there. <laughs> okay, a bit of rivalry going on here between oh, the yeah. Cubs. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's a he's a bird fan. A bird fan. Say. All right, so where were we when we left off? We were I don't, see, I we don't know. T- he can, r- Russ kept interrupting us. <laughs> yeah, he kept turning our mics off. No bottom. <laughs> bottom line is that uh, is there a book that's been written about prayer that you would highly recommend that would give you maybe some you know touch on these different things that we've talked about hmm. a single book i don't know of a single book i know there's a lot of books that we have put together because you know one thing you have to understand about prayer is that the bible talks about a lot of different kinds of yeah prayer. i know right. there's a there's what's called the prayer of agreement there's a prayer of petition there's a prayer of supplication there's a prayer of intercession. Um, there is um, any other ones we can think of. There's a lot of different uh, types of prayer. There's a, there's a prayer of faith. I mean, there's a lot of different types, and you need to know. It's like a good, you know, the more you become uh, used to your weaponry, you know, you know what weapon you need for whatever battle you're in. And when you have certain needs come up in your life, you need to know what type of prayer you need to use mm-hmm. to get the results that you're trying to get. And sometimes that uh, just takes learning and walking um, and walking through that. But most definitely, there's a time where you need to stop praying. We mentioned this during the break that there's a time when Samuel was praying for for Saul after you know Saul had sinned, and and the Lord uh, eventually just said, "Stop praying for him." There's a time where you just have to stop, and uh, it takes a little bit of maturity to know when the, when those times uh, when those times actually are. Yeah, now it really is a difficult thing to. I mean, I had a question posed to me by somebody that I work with that just kind of silenced me um, because it was with regards to someone who just stood and expect healing and deliverance to come and it, and it didn't and it was hard to give an answer to those kind of things um and if you because there are so many different answers to the question of well why didn't i get what i prayed for i stood and i believed and i confessed and i kept knocking i kept believing and i fasted and i did all of these things but yet for some reason this didn't come to pass and and that's a very difficult thing to sit back in some of it when you've done everything, when you say, I don't have any unforgiveness in my heart. I don't have any sin that I'm walking into in my life. Um, I don't have any disunity in my family. And I, I'm standing and I'm confessing and I'm and reminding you of your word and your promises and done everything and then still doesn't happen. And that's where you have to step back to one of the first uh, examples I gave, which ended the book in James. This says that we have this confidence that whatever we ask, if it's according to his will and if it's uh, – and if it, everything else and all of that stuff's lining up, well, this case it just may have been no, because yes, you don't I keep understand about four words that I hear every time: "Thy will right. be done." But sometimes mm-hmm. His will is for us to yep. do and pray and exactly what He told us. And sometimes it might be because we didn't ask it the right way, because we had these other things in our heart. And other times, when everything's been done perfectly, He still says no. Okay, right. so so we talked about Jesus. Praying in Jesus' name. We yep. talked about we should be praying to God the Father. Mm-hmm. But there's one person we tend to forget about, and I was talking to you guys during the break, and that's the Holy Spirit. Sure, yeah. And we it, don't, says, it says that he even prays in ways that we can't pray. Right, right. And we don't pray to the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us mm-hmm. to pray. 
uh, especially for, for people who understand what it means to be a spirit-filled, where this Holy Spirit is praying through you with, with, with groanings and travailings and, and praying in other, in other tongues through uh, uh, intercession. He prays, and actually the Bible says, you're going back to what Russ said and what Steve said about the will of God, actually there in, in Romans, Romans 8, he says, when we don't know how to pray as we should, the Holy Spirit will make intercession for us with groanings and travails and things that cannot be uttered. And it says when he does this, he prays out the perfect will of God for the saints. So mm-hmm. when, we, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're doing just that. You're praying out the perfect will of God, and you're, and you're pushing that through. One of the questions that came through on my text kind of goes through along with this, uh, and it just says maybe God is is answering the prayer but for a better purpose than the actual prayer being asked. And maybe it's just that, that God – uh, that the loved one is supposed to go ahead and pass on, and that God is answering the need uh, mm-hmm. there instead of instead of the prayer being a- asked or the want, He's answering uh, the need, and I think that is something you have to bake you have to bake into that. And I think when this person that Steve was dealing with this this uh, particular person who says I you know I prayed and prayed and these things didn't happen, typically for me when when someone has passed away, it really isn't time to to try to you know armchair quarterback because. In a situation like this, people want to blame themselves. It's my fault. It's my fault. And it's better to say, you know what, we leave this in the in the hand and the wisdom of God, and we and we walk on. And what we do is we walk in what we know is the will of God. When Jesus came here, did he ever make anybody sick? No. Did he ever kill anybody? No. Did he did he come here bringing harm to people? No. And he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've done nothing unless I heard him say it. I've not done anything unless I've seen him do it. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we know that Jesus always healed. He never made anybody sick. So we walk in the idea that God's will for our life is health. God's will for our life is healing. God's will for our life is liberty. And we walk in the truth of that. And when things that oppose that come along, we pray against those things in the name of Jesus. And then we, by wisdom and discernment of the Spirit, we know when to stop praying or Mm -hmm. when to change the type of prayer. We mentioned during the break that verse I quoted, it says, you have not because you ask not, but when you do ask, you ask amiss that you might heap things upon your own lust. So if you're just doing things just to heap it on your own lust, God says you're asking amiss. You're not going to hit the mark. God wants to give you what you need, mm-hmm. but when it goes from need just to what I lust for, yeah. God's saying no. Looking at a couple of examples with, you know, look at the apostles or look at the um, look at Stephen, someone who was righteous and full of the Holy Ghost who who just – gave it to all of the council and got and chewed them all out and here's a young man that died serving god the apostle paul and, and peter were delivered on several occasions from prison but then they went to a martyr's death it was the will of god and so it comes down to that time as long as you're walking in and and those petitions and those things are being done according to the plan that, that he's kind of got laid out it, i mean they're all different that's why i said it's so it's so difficult to answer well, what prayer and what's going on when when someone says, well, why didn't this prayer get answered? Is Stephen the only person in the Bible that as he was dying and looked up and saw Jesus, that Jesus was standing mm-hmm. and not sitting on the throne, but was standing and and looking down on, on Stephen? Was he the only one that we know of that Christ stood for? That's the only example that I have, uh, yeah. to my knowledge. That's the only time we see that. The Apostle Paul says uh, in Second um, Corinthians chapter twelve, he's that's chapter. He says, he says, uh, he said, I was taken up into the third heaven, and he says I saw things that were unlawful to be uh, to be spoken. So I, think yeah, I he can't may, talk about. Yeah, it. so I think maybe he <laughs> saw things, but but uh, to my knowledge, it's it's uh, Stephen is the only recorded 
time where Jesus is actually standing right. um, instead of sitting. Okay, so I'll ask you one. I love asking these questions. All right, so when we when we pass the veil, mm. so evidently it's not hard to get into heaven if you're ready to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. It's just a step and you're through. Right. When we step through, because a lot of people say, well, then I'll be able to see this person again and that person again and whatever. I think well, we've talked about this before, Scott. I think we're there now. I mean, mm-hmm. there is no time right. in heaven. That means we're our, this gets weird now. Okay? <laughs> right. Stay with me. If you believe in any kind of string theory or anything like that, you're literally there now. Mm. Paul kind of mentioned it in a couple of verses in Galatians. And, it, you know, you're just going to move from one reality to the next. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, We're well, not going to be waiting for anybody right. when we get there. Yeah. No, it's, it, for us, really, this is – our existence continues. Right. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. – it doesn't – when we die, it doesn't stop and start over. It just it just continues in a different uh, a different place. Mm-hmm. And some people it's going to be very warm. Other people will be nice and, and pleasant. Toasty. Yeah, <laughs> some people will be very toasty. Well, time is a product of creation, mm-hmm. and and so since God's outside of that, He's outside of time. And so mm-hmm. yeah, you can get into to all of that. In That's it. pretty cool when you get into it. Right. And what it could mean for us. You're right. I, I was yeah. in a debate with somebody about. Um, soul sleep and the resurrection and when the resurrection all that stuff uh-huh. is going to take place and i said it really doesn't matter i said because you're already there and, and i got that really cross-eyed look there and i said well it's god's outside of time and i said so it doesn't matter when we try and place the timing of the resurrection because the timing doesn't matter it only matters to us because we have yeah. to have things in order my my wife when i start talking about that she's she will stop <laughs> it's too much too much. just stop <laughs> i don't have any problem right. with it yeah you know i really don't about when there's well, no time we're creatures of time all right donna is here in little rock hi donna how are you and your question oh i'm great thank you um this is kind of a silly question but when you go to heaven how old is everybody going to be mm. also i know everybody's going to have a mansion who's going to live there with you do you get to choose your family <laughs> i mean Husbands and wives. How does all that work? That's that's great questions. Yeah, Good question. You know what? Not here's silly the, here's at all. the key, Donna. If people yeah. would really be honest, a lot of people uh-huh. think those exact same things. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're going to let these guys try to answer them for you. Listen in. Here we go. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. All right. Who wants to start? Well, it, yeah. Some of them. Uh, kind of hard to answer. <laughs> some of that stuff's kind of hard to answer. Uh, not kind of, it is, uh, because we're just not given some of those answers. Um, who will be in the mansion with us? Well, when Jesus was asked about the resurrection and who was going to be when they went through uh, the Pharisees, and, or actually the Sadducees asked that according to the law of Moses, if a man's married uh, and he dies, and then the brother's supposed to marry the wife and to help raise up, and then if he dies and he goes, if that happens seven times, whose husband will she be? Uh, will he be in the resurrection? They said, you don't know the scriptures. There's neither marrying or given in marriage. So it, it doesn't appear based off that that there's going to be couples. Uh, then the question becomes, was well, it a literal mansion or was it just a uh, metaphor to describe that the place where you will be will be? Let me give you something that you're familiar with here. And that is if you can picture the most beautiful, magnificent house on earth, that's the kind of place you're going to have uh, in the kingdom. Um, whether or not we will 
our neighbors, whether we'll continue on with a relationship with the spouse that I don't think the scripture, you know, says will it be, will we maintain these friendships with, well, Scott and I and Dave and others be friends in the kingdom? Will we be living in regions? We don't know some of those things. I don't know. Yeah, the, the scripture does say um, a couple of places it says things like uh, you will know each other as you were known. Yeah. So I know that we will know one another. Um, we will probably um, look a little bit different. We're going to get a new body um, so that we do, they do know that's going to be happening. Exactly what that looks like, no one really knows um, as far as the age goes. Again, we don't really know that either. Um, there are people, of course, who have had experiences where they've gone to heaven. They typically describe people as being uh, kind of um, on the younger side, um, you know, youthful. Um, and uh, and there are people who have gone and said that they did see their dwelling place. Um, so, but those are all extra biblical things, and you don't you can't stand on them in any authoritative way. Right. Uh, but we do believe that God has prepared a, a dwelling place for us that is far beyond whatever we could have here, if we want to call it a mansion. Uh, that's what the that's the King James uh, translation. Um, uh, but exactly, uh, who's going to dwell in there with you? Again, we don't have that. Steve's points very well. Taken, Jesus said, "Hey, when you get to heaven, there's there's no marriage, there's no cohabitation, there's no reproduction. You're not going to live like that there. So you may very well, very happily be there um, by yourself. Uh, That's a good question. I don't know if there's any answer, Donna. Those mm-hmm. are not silly at all. I don't know if there's an actual yeah. answer to that uh, to either one of those questions. Whatever yeah. it is, you will not be disappointed. Not yeah. disappointed. No way. <laughs> all right, we got to get a break. And and remember, the questions we ask sometimes is because it's the only thing that." we've experienced yeah, right. up to this point mm-hmm. what we're going to experience in heaven is going to be beyond anything mm-hmm. we've ever experienced before all right a break and then uh if you got a question we got time for you Eight two three zero nine six five. all right last segment your last chance Eight two three zero nine six five. that's number to uh you know call in and talk to uh scott and steve don't forget about uh you know you can email Bible guys at salemlr.com and you can do that anytime during the week I'll get it I'll hold on to it and uh, I'll bring it up on the next show which will be next Tuesday uh, don't forget that Scott is pastor at Agape Church 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock the Sunday service time is 10 a.m. and their website if you need to know more aclr.org that is uh, the website for agape church great church by the way you'd enjoy it over there thank you sir especially when he's preaching scott's yeah. preaching oh, he's wow. not sometimes so you might want to call yeah, entirely <laughs> too kind yeah so yeah. you can make sure you get a front row seat or whatever that's right all right do you spit when you preach i'm sure i do yes <laughs> sometimes i steve <laughs> said yeah sometimes i do yeah yep. do people sit up in the front row with umbrellas no, no. <laughs> not that bad at no least. okay all right, anything you guys want to jump on uh, here in the last uh, four-ish well, minutes, we, we got like this, the school? We got this one uh, this one little comment here. Do you want to read oh, that? Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> I'll have hair in heaven. Yeah. And I, what was my answer? Maybe not. Maybe everybody will be bald. Well, <laughs> my, my uncle that I used to go and visit as a kid used to have this little sign up on his kitchen wall that said, God only created so many perfect heads, the rest he covered with hair. I believe that <laughs> there is no there is no grass on a playground. <laughs> All right. 
going to be Cardinals fans, too. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> that ain't happening, bro. That would be the worst thing God could do to me. I'm just being honest. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not. The, the Cardinals are not my mortal enemy. The Mets are my mortal enemy. The Mets are... I cannot stand. See, this is why we can't have sports in heaven, Dave, because yeah, everybody's right. going to be fighting. There'll that's be no right. peace. I can't, I can't take you. I can't take you, you know, you know, Tommy Agee and all those guys. And, you know, 1969, God's going to have to erase that year from my memory <laughs> completely. Just completely. All right, with that, let's get back and let's talk about the school. Yes. It is called the American Institute, uh, and uh, our – our website is AmericanInstitute.org. And uh, one thing that um, Steve and I had on our heart, um, this this school has a, is a school that has been, we've inherited from uh, from uh, the um, Dr. Dr. Ron Mosley, who is the founder of the school some 30-odd years ago. Um, but this school um, kind of was established to recapture a, the lost heritage of, um, of um, Harvard and Yale and Princeton. All of these colleges were established as Bible colleges. Yep. They're all established uh, as Hebraic Bible colleges to emphasize Hebrew, the Hebraic understanding, the Judeo side of the, of the Judeo-Christian faith. And systematically, one by one, they lost that. And to my knowledge, there's been very few that have picked up that mantle and continued to run with it. And that's what we're endeavoring to do is to bring back what uh, Harvard and Yale and the rest of them lost. So it's a it's a college that's established. It's a it's an accredited college. It's, it's accredited by the largest non governmental accrediting agency in the world. Uh, it uh, presents the gospel from the Judaic side of it. It looks at Jesus as a Jewish Jew. Ra- a Jewish. Ra- oh no! <laughs> a You're Jewish telling ra- me Jesus was a Jew? He uh, was. Dave. Or Yeshua was a Jew. He that's was. It. All right. So they see him as a as a Jew and not as a uh, as a evangelical pastor. What did it mean when a first century rabbi made statements or told parables? How do you look at that and how do you how do you allow yourself to be integrated into that culture as opposed to trying to integrate that culture into ours? Yeah. We're supposed to be integrated into it, not it into ours. So how we do that and then live in in the tension and putting putting all of those scriptures, all of those stories in the context of not only the language but you know the culture of the time and the idioms and all the the historical setting even the political setting the geographical setting where they were standing when these things were said and what they were doing it would eliminate an enormous amount of infighting within Christianity and a lot of our um, doctrinal infightings if we just interpreted the scriptures where they were at when they were being written and all of it it would just make the bible is so easy it really is easy to understand the only time it becomes difficult is when we put our own spin or twist on it and we want to stand on that and we want to fight and divide over those interpretations there are so many things that we can debate and have differences about um, but that doesn't mean we separate but getting back and studying from that perspective it, it really does make the bible make total sense all right Real quickly, just so everybody knows, you don't have to go to this school to become a Bible scholar. No. But it's highly recommended though. You can pay <laughs> a much lower price and yes. and just take the classes. That's correct. So that you understand what's yeah. in the Bible. That's right. You can go to the school just as an auditor, you can just take the classes just for the information. That's what I'm gonna do. Fifty bucks. Yep. You get all the teaching, all the all the lecture notes. Out of time, guys. I'll see you next Wednesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.